así como la están con una vipa, me pregunta si te quiero, yo te digo que no estoy lista y no quiero comenzar. No hay nada que pensar. What is up, everybody? It's your boy Luis Martinez, a.k.a. Big Chief Burrito. And this episode of Mi Gente Show is called The Life of Kenneth Castillo, Director. Um, Kenneth Castillo, L.A.-based filmmaker, uh, mostly genre films, action, drama. He has a movie called Marigold the Matador that is available for free on Tubi. He also has a bunch of his films on different platforms, uh, Peacock, Amazon, etc. So if you look for Kenneth Castillo, director, you'll be able to watch several of his films. He's a really cool guy. I've connected with him in the past. Uh, so we had a really cool chat about his life and film, about the state of filmmaking right now. And then towards the end of the episode, Rosa Parra from the Daily Chela, Rosa Review, stopped by to talk movies with us. And uh, Uncle Polly, <laughs> Polly from the Latino Slant, stopped by um, and we had a little chat, a little debate, had some fun with them. Uh, we talked about the, um, the crazy conspiracy theory slash uh, child movie that is kind of doing a lot of controversy. We're going to have to do a deep dive into it later on. But he gave us his thoughts on it. My thoughts, I'm still going to reserve until we do a deeper dive. But it was a really cool, interesting episode. We talked about a lot of stuff uh, after we talked to Kenneth. So thank you, everybody, for taking a look at the episode, listening, watching. Don't forget to rate, like. If you catch us live, leave a comment. It helps us out tremendously. Share it with your friends. It's just two Latinos reacting to news and culture and doing interviews. So thank you, everybody, for watching it. Shout out to Kenneth Castillo, who is a great guest. And as always, enjoy the pod. So let's welcome Mr. Kenneth Castillo to the show. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. Uh, it's great to be here. Sophia, Luis, thank you so much for this uh, invite. I love your guys' show, and you guys are always so supportive. So thanks for having me. Our pleasure. It's good meeting you. I'm excited to to talk to you about your career and everything. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, no, it's it's vast. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can see. And I see that you have Charlie Chaplin in the background, which is like amazing. Always that over my shoulder. Chaplin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that brings me actually to my first question about Cholo Chaplin. How did you come about that idea? Cholo Chaplin was sort of my first, uh, well, I had done a feature film before that, but that was my film school essentially. Mm. And so when I had finished that film and it went nowhere and did nothing, I was just dying to do something else. And I was in Cuba uh, just on a kind of sabbatical for about three weeks. And I was in a town called Cienfuegos, which is named after the Cuban revolutionary um, Camilo Cienfuegos. And he, um, I went into a theater there, an old 1920s theater, and uh, they were showing Charlie Chaplin movies on a reel. And it was full, like there's nothing really else to do there. So all these Cubans are watching Charlie Chaplin and laughing, you know, and this, this film print was barely hanging on too. And I kind of was inspired then. I came out and I thought, you know, I want to do like a Chicano version of the Tramp. So I came up with this character of Cholo Chaplin, and he gets into uh, his very. There are very issues that I dealt with, like the Zoot Suit riots, and through the through the perspective of that character. So I did like six short films. I packaged them as a DVD, and then I showed up to all the LA film festivals that rejected it, and I passed them out. And that got the attention of a, of a producer and he loved the concept, but it was only five, six minutes short. So it was only 30 minutes of content. So they wanted to do a feature. And I said, well, I have another uh, urban film. That's my genre. 
And I can have that to you by April if you guys have a budget. And they said, yeah, we want to do three films. And that's sort of how it took off. And I've just kept the moniker of Cholo Chaplin on some of my social media handles. So he's sort of like my Mickey Mouse. (laughs) Have you ever cosplayed as Cholo Chaplin? Um, I had to once because when I went to I went to the con short film uh, corner back in 2007 and I had a friend who was in marketing and he was making me life size standees of my characters from pictures. But I needed to do a new one for Cholo Chaplin and the actor wasn't available that played him. So I had to don the outfit and do everything. So I have a a standee of me as Cholo Chaplin. Nice. That's pretty cool. Ethan, of course, I know. I I know. (laughs) I know, I know your name, Keaton. I was just having a brain fart right there. Uh, Keaton, <laughs> let's let's hook up at Comic Con this year, brother. Uh, Slay by Vegetables. Thank you for stopping by. He says, "I love Charlie Chaplin films, although I do have Buster Keaton tattooed on my arm instead." No problem. <laughs> just go- Google on YouTube Cholo Chaplin. I think you'll enjoy them. Yeah, yes, Chap- they're all on YouTube, right? Yeah, I have them all on YouTube. I did end up doing like thirteen episodes, and I did one of. He's an adult in most of them, and then I have a child. Uh, have a 10-year-old version of Cholo Chaplin. We did two or three episodes of him as a as a child. Oh, that's fucking, that's cool. Nice. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about, um, obviously, we'll, we'll get into your career a little bit. I know we talked a little bit, we'll, a refresher of kind of like that. So you do Cholo Chaplin, um, that gets you, you know, and then you take a bad situation and you make it better, right? Because you take these rejections that you get from these film festivals and you show up, you distribute this, this and then from there you get your first your first deal. Um, how many films have you made from there till, till Marigold? Um, well, with that particular company, I think I made three, um, three, no, actually four. And then I made two for outside of a different production company. And then Marigold is actually from my production company, um, which entitled Cienfuegos Productions. So it's the first film that I produced under that banner. Um, but in total, I've done seven feature films. I've gotten them now I've gotten them all distributed. So, cause Marigold, was the last one that I did not get distribution on and I completed it seven years ago. So I just didn't want at that time, I mean, independent film, I mean, you know, Luis, independent film keeps changing, especially distribution models. It's getting harder and harder to make money. So I just held on to it. And then Tubi came along and it's very filmmaker, indie filmmaker friendly. Um, and our, 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 you know, Hente watches it. So I, that's who my, that's what my work is for. And so I used an aggregator and got it on there and also Amazon Prime. And if they do well, other other um, that's playing in Europe as well. There's a, a okay. couple of channels in Europe that it's playing in. So what do you what do you describe as uh, <laughs> Kurt? We both that. giggled a little. I saw it. Sophia said, it looks like Sophia sitting in a chair with the way. It does. <laughs> I didn't oh, right. Yeah. It. Look. <laughs> We're matching. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't unsee it after that. I'm like, wow. Really oh, now I'm not going to be able to unsee it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to force myself to stay in this position I'll, I'll the whole time. Listen, I'll change the, listen, I'll change the background a little bit here. So All right. There you go. Um, how would you describe um, Marigold? Because, I mean, on the surface, it feels very magical, very sort of mm-hmm. like, it feels like a little departure from your normal genres. Obviously, Cholo Chaplin's one thing. But then you're mostly in like the urban sort of, uh, you know, drama crime sort of genre. Um, and, and, and what is it? Was it a was it a certain moment in your life where that were where you wanted to do something that was a departure from your normal? Was it something that you had always been thinking about? Was it where, where did that concept begin? 
Um, that's a great question. Uh, I, I know exactly how it came about. I mean, it, you're right. It's very different. I love my logo. It's, it's such a great, cool yeah. logo. But uh, uh, it's very different than my other films in the sense of the style. Um, in terms of it being a what I call a story from the neighborhood, um, it's still there. Uh, and it is very urban still. Um, we don't deal with any particular with crime, but I guess you could. there is a little bit in there. But the way it came about was after my sixth film, I was working with a production company and we had such a great shoot and I was really excited about the prospect of kind of upping our game. Uh, I had built a relationship with this company and a company of actors that I was using multiple times in different roles. That was my, that was my big vision. And the company decided that they wanted to do things cheaper and uh, quicker. So I wasn't interested in doing that. And I was trying to convince them to, you know, let's get some star Latino talent in there. Let's like counterpunch was essentially what I did with that. I got star talent, like a Danny Trejo and Steven Bauer with up and coming talent like Alvaro Orlando. And that's how I think you bring people up, right? Um, so that was my initial goal and I had done that and it was successful. So they were looking to change completely and do, you know, not focus so much on quality, not focus so much on, um, on uh, they wanted to lower the budgets. So what ended up happening was a pair of actors that I worked with and had a lot of love and respect for decided to underbid me and said to the production company, well, we know how Ken does what he does. So we'll do it for that price. We want to do our own film. So, but they're not filmmakers and they have terrible taste in storytelling. So, you know, I was a little, you know, taken back by that. Like you're, and, and they were literally just taking my crew and, and, kept calling me and asked me, well, how did you do this? Or how did you do that? And I, because I was, I was, I had love and respect for them. I was very open. And then I realized, I'm like, you guys got to find your own way. I go, you already underbid me and, and you want to do these cheap movies. That's fine. But, um, you know, I'm not going to help you any more than that. You got to find your own process. So that's essentially when I got out of it, I was like, if, look, if my process is that easily uh, copied, then I need to do something completely fresh, completely different. And I decided that, you know, I was bartending at the time and I had this giant window that looked out at downtown L.A. And there's all this life, of course, that's happening. And a particular single mom with her two kids caught my attention because I would see her leave very late at night. And I started working on a story, but I didn't want to write a script because <laughs> I just I, my mind wasn't there. I wanted to shoot. I wanted to direct. So I came up with scenarios. I incorporated uh uh, my own family story about my uncle, who was a uh, paranoid schizophrenic, was homeless for a while, but managed to to, you know, get on medication and live a, a, a productive life. Um, I, I kind of took his story and I started taking little personal things and putting them all together. And so I didn't have any money. And I mean, I had no money. So I decided to we were going to prep like two weeks and shoot two days. So I would bartend extra shifts to finance those two days. And I did that. And I was going to shoot the entire movie um, for uh, in seven days. And all the principal photography took place in seven days. Mm -hmm. And I got the best of the actors that I've worked with in the past, one of them being my wife, who plays, um, who plays Lily, um, who's the mom, the single mom. Um, Camila Banus, who plays Marigold Older. She was in Counterpunch, and she was also she's also Gabby on... Uh, Days of Our Lives. And then Ivan Basso, who plays El Toro, he's, you know, been in four of my films. And it's just 
from one of the most amazing actors that I I've worked with, one of the most amazing actors that I know that Hollywood hasn't hasn't discovered yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was how that whole process came about. So there is no script. I, the only thing scripted was the scene in the in the restaurant between um, between Violet and Lily, the the mother and, and daughter, the grandmother and the daughter. Mm-hmm. That's that's like a complete like takeoff of what the, the stuff that you normally do. That was a you know as they say that was a brave choice. <laughs> yeah, there was no guarantee it would work. So, what is the, I, what is what has been the reaction so far? Um, you know, people have really gotten it. You know, I get I get people have been telling me you know like it's lyrical, it's poetic. That's exactly what I was going for. Um, I've had people watch it and bring their own. Uh, stories into it, which is mm-hmm. part part of my goal. I didn't. I don't say what happens to the mother. I don't say why what they're leaving, what situation they're leaving from. I don't say why the daughter is, seems so alone. You know, as she's going into college when she's older. There are a lot of things I leave up to the audience, and a lot of the uh, audience members have reached out to me, and um, fans have reached out to me saying, "Oh, it was about was it about this?" And they they invoke their own stories into it, which is essentially. Uh, what I love, because once the movie is out there, it's not mine anymore. It's it's the audience's, and they're going to bring their experiences to the story that I'm telling. So I really love that I was given enough space, but also enough detail and enough character to keep people interested, but also for them to uh, come to their own conclusions about what about certain things happening, and then using the kind of bullfight. Um, imagery uh, uh, is 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 the little girl kind of going from girlhood to womanhood. Mm-hmm. Nice. And what, what inspired you to have uh, Marigold be the bullfighter and the homeless man be the bull in that scenario? I, uh, I, one of the first treatments I wrote was, God, when I first started, probably over 20 years ago, I was, uh, I was really enamored with this uh, female bullfighter named Christina Sanchez, who was in Spain. Mm-hmm. And she was real popular. And, you know, it's a very macho sport. So she went through a a hell, you know, becoming a bullfighter and her dad taught her and her story was just amazing to me. And I wrote it down. I go, I'm going to do I'm going to do her story someday. But in, you know, if you did a if you did a film today about a bullfighter, I don't think it would would do very Look, when I first started, when I first started posting pictures that I was doing Marigold the Matador, I got hate online from people saying, you know, I'm not going to support this film. You know, it's bullfighting is barbaric. It's this. And I'm like, no bulls were hurt in in this. You know, it's like and that was just from, you know, making it an image, you know, using it as a as a metaphor. And um, so that's I I, I said, I'm never going to do that film. So let me try and incorporate that uh, imagery here and make it Day of the Dead, which is also kind of a, a symbols that I use in all my a lot of my films. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it just worked really well. And I my my stepmother-in-law is a seamstress, so she made the suit of lights for uh, and it just came out amazing. I still have it. And if we do, we might do a screening in LA and I'm gonna have the suit on display. But mm-hmm. the suit of lights um, she made from scratch for uh, for my daughter who plays uh, who plays Marigold. That's your daughter? That's my daughter, yeah. Oh my gosh. She how old is she now? She did an amazing job. Oh, thank you. She's 20. What? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? How old is she in the 20 film? Now. Wow. She was 11 and we shot it over 2 years, so she was 13 when we completed, so it was perfect age. Mm-hmm. Um and I didn't cast her just because she was my daughter. I mean, there was two things, right? I knew I was going to take 2 years to do this film. 
And I didn't need to have a parent, you know, have cold, go cold turkey on me and say, no, my kid's not going to do this anymore. Right. Um, and Maya, she'd been in some episodes of Cholo Chaplin. She's not an actress, but my daughter has this thing that she's, she, she's, she's a very creative person. She's very talented. And when the camera's on her, she's just constantly thinking. Her, her eyes are always active. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I did some tests with her uh, on camera and I was like, okay, I'm only getting, and I directed it like a silent film. I would tell her, okay, this is what's happening as we're shooting, you know, or you're feeling this, so you're, you're, you're thinking this and she would just go with it. But at the same time, there were days where she just didn't want to do it. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. What? what? And what, what would happen in those days? Well, <laughs> <laughs> like you have to, I remember. Yeah. I remember one big thing I have with both my children is I tell them, I, I you know, when they were, I, I always, I totally tell him, I always will keep my promises to you. I will never break a promise. So when you ask me something, I never promise it unless I know I won't break it. So I tried to invoke that in them. So when she agreed to do this, I told her specifically, are you promising that you're going to do this even when you don't feel like doing it? She's like, yes, pop, I promise. But of course she's changing from 11 to 13. Yeah. So one day we were two weeks of prep. I had my crew here. We're going to be shooting two days at my mother-in-law's house because we shot in the backyard. And she just didn't feel like doing it. And no one was, my producer was trying to convince her. My wife was trying to convince her. I was my mother-in-law who usually can get through to her. She just did not want to do it. And that's a day where, you know, on shooting days, I balance being Papa and being director. Right. But on that day, I was just director. And I basically told her, she's like, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. And I said, if Camila didn't feel good, do you think she wouldn't show up and, 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 and work? And when I told her that, because she respects Camila, she's like, okay. So then she, went, oh, she got back to it. <laughs> she did it. Oh, my God. Can I ask what scenes were were those days that you shot, if you remember? Yes, I do remember. These, the whole day where uh, she goes and she makes the bologna sandwich. Okay. Oh, my gosh. And that scene, she was supposed to act really happy. Yes. Wow. Okay. I was going to say how beautiful that would have fit if it was in the earlier scenes where she was very upset. But the bologna sandwich scene was like one of the few that I was like, oh, she's starting to be really smiley and happy. It's a a sweet thing, right? She's (laughs) making lunch for her mom who's going to eat real quick and take off. And my wife did a great job in the scene where, you know, just trying to, you know, the whole thing was improvised with the chips. Like, oh, this is how you have to eat this type of sandwich. So she thought that was funny. And and so it was a great interaction. I, I really, yeah, I was really happy with the day in spite of the challenges at the beginning of it. <laughs> well, yeah, right. glad, he, glad he got it through. We're live with okay. Kenneth Castillo, director of Marigold Matador and several other films. He's an L.A. director, you know, been around the game for a little bit up there, mm-hmm. in, up there in the L.A. streets. Uh, Keithan has a question here. In lieu of big budget films doing less business at the box office do you foresee a move to smaller budget films being more popular no no i don't <laughs> unfortunately Darn. um the, the 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 business is very different now and i really feel like you have uh with the exception of maybe disney i really feel like you have people that are running these companies who don't really like movies they don't have taste in movies um you have executives i mean this 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 guy zasloff over in uh warner brothers it just it just doesn't seem like he even likes the industry um and you know everyone everyone's bashing it but they won't mention things for fear of you know being i don't know but my attitude is like who wants to work with them anyway like that's our power if a bunch of powerful creators said 
you know what, we're just not going to do business with Warner Brothers. We're going to do business with everybody else. Warner Brothers would be forced to do business because and, and be, you know, but they're 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 killing a lot of diversity and inclusion. Like I just, you know, the $40 million budget film, the $15 million budget film, um, you know, I think they're going by the wayside. Some do break through. Flaming Hot, you know, was a $14 million budget. It's doing well. Um, which is great, but there there will be those exceptions, but it's not going to be the rule. Because um, even the smaller, you know, because the thing that the thing is, is, it's the marketing. If you spent fourteen million dollars on a film, you need to spend three times that to get that film out into the world, mm-hmm. you know. And that's that's always the challenge of an indie film. So that's why I'm grateful for a situation like this that someone can know, oh, there's a small film called Marigold the Matador that's on Tubi and I can watch it right now or you can watch it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's word of mouth. It's us getting the word out about our own films. You know, unfortunately, I just don't think that's going to change. I think, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things that I think are some good, some bad. They're going to come out of the, the industry where it's just completely upside down right now. The numbers are like even for Disney or or, or DC, it's like a hundred million dollars, two hundred million dollars to make the movie, and then at least a hundred million in 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 marketing budget, and then they have a seventy million dollar opening weekend, and it's like, oh my god, this failure, yeah. and it's I like, mean, and you're like, what? And it's like, oh, it's yeah, barely it, it's barely crossing a billion dollars worldwide. We wanted a billion dollars in China. <laughs> and that and a lot and that, when you make those kinds of decisions, you know, they can't they can't really fail. You know what I mean? They're too expensive to right. to to fail. And the way movies are made today, they're they're just very forgettable. You know, um, a lot of these big budget films to me, like I, I don't even remember. They don't they don't spend time on moments, you know, and that's, again, where I feel like sometimes. Uh, my storytelling is very 80s in that sense where, you know, I'll have a scene play out. There'll be moments, you know, there've been a couple of films out recently that I saw smaller films that um, I really liked where, where they took their time with the characters and you got to know them. They didn't have to just keep cutting, cut, 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 you know, Mm-hmm. I like uh, I like Kenneth flexing on me with his director's chair in the background back there. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, like this. There it is. Yeah. Director's chair. Director's chair. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't have one of those yet. I need to get me. I need. To, I need to. Step that my is game so up. cool. Absolutely. I hadn't even noticed. Oh, uh, my I family. Think... My family got me that. That was oh, my. That was my Father's Day gift last what's year. What's two up, years what's ago. Up, yeah. Family, come on. I, I Louis, love Louis, it. Louise needs one. Uh, burrito <laughs> no, family. Old, the name's in Old English too. <laughs> the um, you know the the okay, uh, I'm sorry, Sophia. Uh, the thing that no, go for it. that gets me right is that. The quality, I mean, it's one thing if you're telling me we're selling $200 million and, you know, it's like Endgame where people are getting up and cheering or it's, you know, The Dark Knight or it's some of these movies that are big budgeted IPs, but also very high quality. But you get some of these movies and and it's like it's the same beats over and over. It's the dialogue is very cliche or reboots. It's it just feels like everything gets written and rewritten the same way. And it's the same plot points and it's the same needle drops. And it just it just seems like you said, like the people that are making the decisions to greenlight some of the stuff don't like movies, don't like originality. They like money. They just see it as a as a business. And the, the main thing that you can look to is that they're super embracing AI. And they're like, if we could just get rid of the if we could just get rid of the writers, 
and we can just have these algorithms create Netflix was already doing it to a certain degree mm-hmm. to have these algorithms that were creating these shows. And then if they could just get AI to write the scripts. And then if we can get to the point where AI can replace the actors and we can do deep fakes, then we can take all the creativity and we can just churn up this bullshit that just, that just people will just sit there and, and watch and and it just doesn't feel it just I, I, I'm trying to figure out where the where the stick in the wheel is where people will finally realize that 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 that's not happening or when when that breaking point will be will it be if like the strike goes on like if the actors and WGA continue to strike and 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 people start canceling Netflix canceling Peacock canceling HBO what's going to be the breaking point where they'll realize we don't want to be replaced and we don't want you to replace the creativity of people. You can't replace the trauma, the ex- life experiences that you and I mm-hmm. had with an algorithm. No matter how many movies or books you get that algorithm to read or watch, what what do you think the breaking point is going to be there? And we have a question from somebody in the audience after yeah. that. Um, I think that it has to be fully embraced for it to fail because the audience will reject it. The audiences will reject it and that's when it will go away. You know, right now they think that this could happen, right? But they don't understand that. I think people still go to the movies for the same reason that they've always gone to the movies. They want to feel something. They want to connect to something. I don't feel they're going to be able to do that with AI written scripts or deep fake actors. And, but let them, they're they're not going to realize that until they actually do it and they lose money on it. And when that happens, a perfect example I'll give you is 3D. Remember 3D? Everything was going to 3D. You know, Avatar, the original Avatar came out and it was shot for 3D, right? And I'm sure a lot of people told James Cameron, this isn't going to work. This is going to work. And then and then it works because he specifically shot it for 3D. And then after that, they were taking every single big budget film and putting a 3D like like filter over it and charging people more money to go see it. It went it, it, it failed. Because those movies weren't specifically made for that. Avatar was, but none of the others were. They just thought they could slap 3D on it and the audiences would, would pay extra money for it. And that's gone away. That's gone away. And I think that I think AI and the deep fake stuff will too, because audiences, it's it's gonna be like giving an audience a sugar-free ice cream. You can taste the difference. It may look the same and it may you may package it the same, but I know that when I when I get Ben and get Ben and Jerry's and 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 my daughter gets a a, a a non-dairy one and I grab hers by accident, I know it ain't right, even though <laughs> the packaging looks similar. Yeah. So that's what I think it is. Yeah. I, I think it has to be that, and it's it's not enough just for the movies to fail because look, Hollywood fails at these big budget films all the time, and they still make them. And so a part of it is hubris, ego. You know what I mean? Like I, I've been on sets and I've, I've done had some Hollywood, what I call Hollywood crews, where we just too many freaking people on set. And I'm like, what is everybody doing? Well, this is how it's done is what I'm told. And I'm like, we don't need all this. <laughs> like, you know, and I think it's just like, again, that's the way it's done. No one's no one direct. I'm probably the only director that thinks, you know, about cutting costs because I'm thinking, you know, when I hear there's a, a film that's made for 25 million, I'm like, okay, I can make like five or 10 films with that money. I can make 25 movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's, and that's always been my make, thought. I'm like, you, I mean, you spent what on that? I was like, I can yeah. make six movies for yeah. that. What are you talking about? 
But the studios and the executives don't think of it that way, right? Because they want to be able to say, oh, well, you know, they want to be able to go to some fancy lunch and say, yeah, we're doing this film. It's a $300 million budget film, right? Ooh, yeah, and, exactly. you know, so it's it's actually a lot of its culture. It's a lot of its culture, you know. And yeah, TV and film a, are different. There needs to be a disruptor, right? But in a good way, uh, like an, yeah. indie, an indie disruptor or, you know, because even me, when I've had meetings and, and I made a feature for $50,000 and I made a feature with Sophia for less than $10,000. Mm-hmm. And they're like, don't tell anybody that you you made it for $10,000. Like upscale, like it, the, the feature you made for 50, tell them it cost you a quarter million. The one that cost mm-hmm. you 10,000, tell them it cost you 50,000. Yeah. And and because mm-hmm. they won't take you seriously in the room. Like, and I'm like, why, why wouldn't, why wouldn't this they should be impressive? Anyway. Why wouldn't they be like, yeah. Oh wow. You did so much with so little, let's give you a little extra money and let you just go out there and give us something original. Mm-hmm. And I have to say like with not necessarily with studios, but with independent producers that watch my stuff and then bring me into a meeting and they're like, okay, this is how much money we have. You know, how much we want to do something similar to counterpunch or even Marigold where you know, um, they don't they don't know the budget, and I may I let them think it's something, right? Mm. And then I tell them maybe later. You know what I mean? But I don't hide what my films cost in that sense because I hopefully will inspire other people to to do their films. You know, mm. because there there are a lot of people. I'm sure you know, Luis, the uh, filmmakers we know that you know think that oh, I need a million dollars to do my movie, and I'm like, well, think of a movie you can do for five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. Because you're not going to get that million, and I'm not saying that the uh, you know uh, um, I'm not trying to shit on anybody, but I'm just saying that that stop wasting your time on that. And even if you did get a million dollars and it's a coming of age film, you're not going to get distribution, and you're never going to make your money back, or your investors are never going to make their money back. So I'm very conscious about you know telling the stories that I want to tell. I know who my audience is. I know the stories I want to tell, and there's a market for it. So I don't necessarily write films that um, I think are going to sell. I just know that the genre I'm in is a popular genre. And if I do my job well and can connect with my audience, then there will be producers and investors that will seek me out. Um, And that's been most of my career. Mm -hmm. I don't have an agent. so Absolutely. All right. We had a question here from Planet Earth Theater. Thanks for stopping by. Has or will Kenneth consider directing other film projects written by other writer, producer studios? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've, I've directed not feature films. I haven't been asked to direct a feature. Well, no, I take that back. I was asked to direct a, a feature film and the script was so bad. I told them no. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, that was at a time, too, where I was kind of like, yeah, I really want to direct something. But I'm like, how? I go, well, let me take a crack at it. And I did. And it was just it, it, I, I, my, I always go with my gut, not my ego. And so. I was just kind of like, yeah, man, this isn't for me. And they took it kind of personally, but you know, you got to do what, what speaks to you. But yeah, if the story is right, I, I absolutely be that. But I've been the during COVID been hired to, more as a writer and that's been something new. Like I normally only shoot what I write and I only write for myself, but mm-hmm. a few opportunities like came over through COVID and decent money. So um, the only one I would say, uh, the last one I just got hired to write, I want to direct it. So, um, and it is a Latino story. It's a, a Chicano story. Um, and uh, if that can get financed by September, I will be very happy. Well, wow, that's a, amazing. Or a second unit director, you just let me know. Man. That's right. yeah, I'll definitely let you know. We might shoot in San Diego, parts of San Diego. So. Oh, 
Yeah, hello. Give us the call, Ken. Give us the call. Uh, Tarantino <laughs> sort of said this uh, in terms of like the, the the 40s, 50s, 60s, and then the movies that came out in the 70s in terms of like the eras and the, the cycles that Hollywood goes through. Um, can, uh, it, we may be going through the days of Lucas Scorsese Spielberg coming in at the time of Hollywood was dead. So, yeah, I, I kind of see that uh, because you could definitely call this the oversaturation of like superhero movies and IPs. And stuff like that. So, you know, if, if but the, the thing is, we're only in the 23, which means we might have yeah. seven, seven more years of this bullshit before before in the 2030s, it gets right again. Or maybe the two, 2011s, 20, 2025 is like that era of the superhero mm-hmm. multiverse thing. And maybe in a couple of years, we're getting close to it. So, you know, Keith, and you might have a, a good point there. Um, one thing you did bring up, Kenneth, is, is, um, because at this level of filmmaking as an independent filmmaker, as a writer, um, one of the things that I struggle with is that, like you said, everything I write, I shoot. So what I'm writing or where my writing partner, Brian, is writing is stuff that we're going to shoot together. And when you write a script that you're going to shoot yourself, it's not necessarily as impressive on paper as a script that you're going to put out for sale or distribution, right? Right. We write a lot of comedy, so when I write a second or third draft in my script, I always leave space for improvisation, for changing lines on the go. Oh, say this instead, say this instead. So if somebody's looking at it from the outside and they're like, can you show me some of your work? I'm like, yeah, but it's something that I was going to shoot myself. So it's not as polished and as pretty as something that um, that that uh, that somebody who's just I'm a writer I'm going to write the best damn script and I'm going to put it out there in the universe and somebody's going to find it. How do you um, how, how do you deal with that yourself? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I will always, you know, because I I always I write a shooting script, you know, because I'm I'm writing it. So the producers that work with me know that. So they know when I'm turning something in, I'm giving them a little bit more detail in the slug lines than maybe normally. I want them to get the whole picture. And also that helps me to kind of, uh, uh, you're putting uh, in story, musical storyboard. suggestions, stuff like that. You're doing more, yeah, you're putting more extra, that stuff normally you wouldn't yeah. put into like a script, right? Exactly. And so for my own, if it, but a lot of my stuff has been financed while I was writing it. So I'm and I'm getting notes from producers. And at the time, the producers I work with, you know, and this is what I, I go by. Like I, I go by the notes and if they give me notes, they know about and they and their notes about story or character. Then I know I got good partners. You know what I mean? They're not like, you know, and there's like on the occasion they were kind of like, well, we need a, a, something more salacious here or whatever. And, and on those instances of my attitude is like, yeah, yeah, no problem. We'll do that but I just do whatever the fuck I want. You know what I mean? So, um, cause a lot of times with the producer, they just want to give you that, uh, uh, the suggestion and make, and they want to be heard. You know what I mean? So I, I don't fight with that. I just say yes. And then I move on and whether I change it or not, you know, I don't, but, um, but in terms of a polished script, yeah, I would say I do that more for TV, you know, cause I have three pilots and they're very polished, you know, because I know I'm going to put those out there. Um, as a sample, though, like I would take your biggest script and say, I already did this already have after you may have shot it already. Right. But maybe you're you're trying to get a gig as a writer. I would take your script and then I would polish it up, even though it's already done and everything. Polish it up so they can see, especially since you do comedy, uh, your your jokes and your your sense of humor. 
Um, so that's normally what I do too, because my second film, Ghost Town, was not a polished script at all. Um, they loved the story so much, and we shot it, and and it was like right after my first one. And then I really loved the story, and I mean, I remember I shot scenes in Ghost Town that weren't even in the script, or I remember writing a scene on set, and then. I was so proud of the film that I I wanted the script. So I went back and I I like transcribed my own work from my film and incorporated the scripts into the old the old the scenes into the old script and updated it. I mean there was it was just for my own personal wanting and I had carry that script with me because I'm so proud of it. But that's an instance where <laughs> the script was not polished when I shot it because I knew I was going to shoot it and I knew the story really well. But I went back and and polished it because if anyone wanted a sample of my work, I was going to submit that. Sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. like I said, and when I did that one, my kids were, God, my kid, my son was, that was twenty nine, so he was four, and my daughter was seven. So I managed to do that when they were that. Yeah, and I was a stay at home dad. <laughs> when, uh, Jesus. When we wrote, I got a book coming out too, Sophia. You'll be able to read all about you, it. What? <laughs> do you actually? You're going. I do. Yeah. Oh when uh, when we uh, when I wrote my when I when we created our first feature, Blacklisted, it was a uh, myself and C.G. Thomas actor. Uh, he had the concept, and he gave it to me, and he was he took over financing and, and getting people excited and stuff like that. And it was my first feature, and I I outlined the story, and then because it was an indie film production, we shot it out of sequence and based on the availability of actors and locations. So it was like, oh, we have a tattoo shop for 10 days from now so we can do that tattoo shop scene. And I'd be like, all right, time to write the tattoo scene. So, <laughs> so, I, was, so I was writing the scenes on a weekly basis. Like, all right, we got the mansion this week, so let's write the mansion scene. All right, time to write the mansion scene. So what I have is like 32 different scripts of different scenes oh, that we wow. shot yeah and if you watch the movie if you watch the movie as a whole it doesn't work as a two hour because it's too, it's way too long the individual scenes are good right as a whole it doesn't work and it just sort of and, and I, we have it out there as like okay this is now the proof of concept of like what a season one arc would be you know what i mean yeah but i don't no, have the great. but i don't have the actual script because there was never a full finalized script it was like we were well, if we you're were doing proud our first feature. Film, yeah, if you're proud of the film, I would just go go back and do that work and and yeah. and, and 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 put that script together. It does. It but does. I, I, sense. Look, I, my fourth my fourth film was like that, where it just I compromised too little things, you know, throughout mm -hmm. production. I kept compromising, compromising. Then I get into the editing room, and that's like one of my best trailers, but it's one of my worst films. And I all the little things that I compromised on led up to big things in the editing room. And I mean, that seems obvious to most people, but I was so, there was a lot of things going on at that time. And I didn't, I didn't think I was going to be making movies anymore. I had just lost my house and um, oh, the financing yeah. came for that. This was like 10 years ago. Yeah. This is in the book too, Sophia. So you can read that chapter. So. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> you got to send me, send me a copy. I definitely will send you guys copies. We'll get a copy. No, yeah. Well, at least, you know, yeah. we, we got the... We got uh, 126 actors uh, SAG uh, eligible through that movie, so we did. We oh did man, that's did. you know what I love. You're the reason you why that. it's so hard to be eligible now, Louise. What happened? I said that's the reason it's so hard to be eligible now because you got a billion of them eligible. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We were like, we did everything. We did everything right. We they had sex. Closed the door behind them, and now I can't get sex. At the end like of it, I still get people now. asking me now. He's like, do you still have my SAG paperwork from Blacklist? And I'm like, from 2014? No, I do not. It's impossible to do it now. I'm like, oh my gosh, everyone was getting tap heart leader back then. Yeah, we were fucking shit up. But that's amazing that you did that for those actors. You know, a lot of my actors have moved on to bigger and better things, like. Yeah. Carlos Pratt's Carlos Pratt's was in three of my films. He's the lead in uh, McFarland. Um, you know, he was green when I got him, and now he was like McFarland. David Castaneda Jr., who plays Diego in the Umbrella Academy, and was in the sequel to Sicario. He was in my first feature. Oh, wow. You know, so I think you know I'm glad, so glad to hear you say that because I think a lot of times within our own community they don't understand the value that we as indie Latino filmmakers bring. Mm-hmm. We're not all going to be Eva Longoria, you know what I mean? But we're, we're yeah. hiring up and coming. We're getting people into the union. We are getting their, their, them footage for, for reels, you know what I mean? And so we're sometimes, part of the ecosystem. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I think, um, you know, I, I mean, like I'm not one to just pat myself on the back on the, at all, but I, I think that we don't get valued in that way a lot of times as Latino filmmakers from our own community and from our own film festivals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, right, absolutely. Yeah. It 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 takes it takes a lot, and I think uh, that maybe you and I commented on something about this on Twitter a while back in terms of like you know we need our uh, you know Ava uh, Duvernay I think is Duvernay uh, yeah absolutely yeah, she's uh, you know uh, African American filmmaker and she goes out of her way to make sure that all her projects get directed by independent or smaller. You know, black filmmakers oh, and like amazing. Reservation Dogs, all the directors it should be noted, who are man. native, she, you know. Yeah, she's gotten more. She's helped more Latina directors on her show Queen Sugar than anybody. She's had. Wow. She's had. And I. I don't know. And a people, the names I'm mentioning, I don't know them personally. I know their work, and so I don't maybe have permission to use their names, and they may feel differently. But I'm just saying, you know, Carmen Marone is an independent director, Latina director that, that I used to that I follow, whose work I follow. Patricia Cardozo, who directed Real Women Have Curves, her first directing gig on television was on Queen Sugar. This is 20 years after Real Women Have Curves. So where are our Latino executives that are looking out at the independent world and giving them opportunities? Because Ava DuVernay has shown us the way and the, the, the Latinos that are in positions of power to hire us need to, to do likewise instead of doing panels and creating organizations and creating, you know, on and on and on. Uh, yeah, uh, I've told this before, but I, I got invited to shadow a director in Georgia for like four weeks. And they're like, yeah, it's a $200 a week stipend or something else like this. And I was like, and then you, you'll be able to learn how to do it. And I was like, I don't need to learn how to direct. I just I just need to get into a room and I need you to hear my ideas. I'm like, there's, I was like, at the point, my life situation was done that I couldn't just get up and go somewhere for six weeks. Well, it's but, timing, right? Yeah. yeah it's and timing. It's trying to make a living. And that's actually, yeah. and that's a, another reason why it's hard for a lot of us to break through. I remember an agent made a point. He was a Latino agent at Verve. And he was saying, you know, he's competing with guys, with people in the internships who don't have to, to work. They're supported yeah. by their families. And he's like, I'm working. He's like, I'm working 60 hours a week and then interning at Verve for 60 hours a week. And he became an agent. And, you know, I thought his story was really interesting. I'm like, that's part of the problem. You know what I mean? We don't, we can't, we're not in some of these pipelines, particularly with the studios and television. Um, But I think in terms of independent, like places like Tubi now is a hub now for people to, to, to go to because our people watch Tubi. That's why I wanted to be there. That was my focus, you know. Mm -hmm. It's free. 
<laughs> that's true. As yeah. far, I, yeah, they got a good, they got a good library. I, yeah. I, I had a, I had a question because I, I think you're in a unique spot since you've been, uh, you know, you work in Chicano focus, sort of some of your themes and then as well, you've been working in LA. So what is your take and your perspective from the Latino standpoint? Um, basically the opportunities that we've had past, present, and where do you think we're going in the future? I think it's been a really, uh, there's definitely been inroads. You know, I've been doing this over 20 years. I started as an actor, my wife's an actress. And when she started, or when we started, I, I, I'm not an actor anymore, but I'm saying I'm trained as an actor. But mm-hmm. when there was no opportunity for, there was maybe one role in one show, you know, and it usually wasn't a well-written, I don't like to use the word stereotypical cliche because that's what everyone always says. But let's just say a, a, a role that's not well-written. Um, and there weren't very many. Now we have a ton of all Latino cast TV shows, and that's amazing. The problem is when you look behind the camera at who's writing and directing all of these shows. Yeah. And you know, the last five years, my focus has been television. So I know who's for real and who's not for real in terms of, of, of providing opportunities for our, for our people. And because I'm outspoken, um, you know, I probably shoot myself in the foot a few times, but I don't care. I'm at a point where I'm like, a friend of mine was like, oh, you shouldn't say that, Ken. They're not going to hire you. I go, they're not hiring us anyway. So we might as well just speak our truth. You <laughs> yeah. know, I have a problem. Yeah. I have a problem with a Latino influencer or celebrity constantly talking about inclusion and diversity and them getting applauded for that. And then when you look at their shows that they executive produce, they don't hire any of us. Mm-hmm. And I'm never going to call them out by name. But, you know, and then at the same time, like uh, this one, I don't mind talking about because the show, the show got canceled and she's not going to hire me anyway. But uh, there was a show called, <laughs> there was a show called On My Block. And uh-huh. I loved On My Block. And On My Block was basically, is basically my neighborhood where I grew up in Wilmington. And so I started doing some homework on it. Of course, there were no Latino directors on their entire three seasons. Not one Latino director. Not one. Whoa. And so I reached out to the executive producer. I reached out to the show, who was Latino, never reached back. And then I reached out to the showrunner. She did reach back to me. And it turns out she grew up in Palos Verdes. And my confirmation sponsor was the dean at her high school. And we started a dialogue, you know, and I wasn't, you know, I'm lear- I, I, I've learned how to ask for opportunity or seek out opportunities and emails and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So she didn't, um, she didn't ghosted me as they went into the third season of on my block. And cause I was, I was asking for an opportunity either to shadow or to direct. And she knew she was writing about Wilmington and that's where I was from. There was never more of a perfect match for me to direct a show than that show. Right. So then she goes and does, does free Ridge. And the interesting thing that happened with free Ridge was they had three Latino directors. One of them was an actress and the other two had never directed anything, <laughs> but I was excited that they had three Latino directors, but I feel like I, I feel like I had a small part in being in their ear about mm-hmm. the fact that you're doing all these Latino shows and you do them great. She's an incredible writer and director, even though she's writing our stories. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't take away from the fact that she's that good, but that's where we need to, the, the business needs to change. And I, and the pandemic has put us back backwards mm-hmm. and this strike, um, all this the, is going to put us uh, behind as well. We're going to lose yeah. what little, not in terms of acting in terms of actors. I think those opportunities, because it's a global market. Now, if you're on a show on Netflix, it can be shown everywhere around the world. And if you have Latino characters, I think uh, the rest of the world does, will be connected to that. 
Um, so that's where I feel like in terms of television on film, it's it's democratized now. Anybody can make a film and anybody can get it out there. Now, whether or not you can make a studio film, that's a whole different question. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. We're yeah. That might have been, that might have been more information. That no, that was amazing. <laughs> we got to clip that. That was amazing. I get told stuff mm -hmm. like that occasionally, like, mm, you need to be careful of what the topics you cover or what kind of people you call out because you never know when it's going to. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. They're not hiring. <laughs> but you know what I realized? You know what I realized, though, Luis, when you are mm -hmm. when you are outspoken, you do talk. The people that respect that, they seek you out because mm -hmm. I have connected with some TV people who really like what I have to say and they love my work. And they're actually TV people that are helping our our, our people in, in television. They just don't advertise it. Exactly. They don't look for they don't look for applause either. They're just like, you know, I, I don't want to mention his name yet, but I reached out to this executive and he saw my work and we had so much in common. We're both. And it was like he was Chicano and he considered himself Chicano and he was writing. Uh, he's an incredible writer. And we started sharing work and stuff. And it wasn't like, hey, man, can you get me on the show? It wasn't like that. It was just trying to make a connection with somebody in this business that has kids that that is Chicano and has that background and tells those stories. And there are very few of us. So the fact that I was able to connect it with at least two, I was excited about because I learned a lot from them. And I feel like they uh, they value the, the work that I do as well. All right. Uh, Planner there says, Ken Castillo is a force. Thank you for speaking your truth, our truth. Thank you for stopping oh, by. Oh, thank yeah. you for that, man. Wow. Appreciate make sure that. You're, make sure you're sub to the channel. Leave a like, share the stream. Let everybody know that we're live chatting with Kenneth Castillo, director. I do want to give a couple of shout outs here um, as we enter the first hour of the show. Um, let's oh, that was go. quick. Yeah, yeah, I know. That flew by. Yeah, that flew hmm. by. Um, we, uh, all right. Uh, speaking of uh, Latinos in entertainment and film, there's an organization that I work with that I'm part of called uh, Latinos in Film and Entertainment Life. You can follow them by going, by following at somoslife.org mm -hmm. or somoslife.org. Um, basically, it's a group of creatives, actors, creatives, uh, musicians, they're LA-based, New York-based. They've done events in in LA and in New York. Uh, Sophia and I hopefully will be hosting an event for them sometime. I think we're gonna wait till we get uh, maybe hit our you know hundredth episode or something or you know something like that. We'll be doing an episode soon. Uh, but they are having an event this the fifteenth of July in Santa Monica, mm -hmm. Santa Monica Beach, uh, twenty seven hundred one Bernard Way. Uh, they're gonna be having bitch games, pitch bitch games. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly right in slip there. <laughs> All right. Well, I gotta see what that is. I gotta go now. All right. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna put the link to their website, somoslife.org. You can join um Latinos. All Latinos are welcome or allies. Um, it's an organization that's that's trying to you know put some people together and, and get some stuff going for us in the mm -hmm. world. Um and uh we have uh some good news uh for the show-wise. Um I've talked about this before. Um, when I was a kid in the late 80s, early 90s, I remember uh, changing the channel to my TV and happening up across uh, the TV show. You remember L.A. Law, Kenneth? Um, Hell yeah. Uh, and I remember very clearly, this is a core memory, as uh, <laughs> as Annabelle was talking about uh, on our yeah. last show. Um, I remember very clearly just cha physically changing the channels on the TV and um coming across a show called LA Law and I saw this name flash upon the screen and all it said was A. Martinez, um, who is an actor on the show. 
and as somebody last name Martinez and somebody who loved who who has a kid who was dreaming about making movies and TV, it was the first time I saw my name on English TV, right? And then to see him on that show playing a lawyer, not a criminal, um, was a big deal for me as a kid. Um, so um, I reached out through some friends, and we will be having A. Martinez as a guest wow. on a future episode. Yes. He's, an, he's an OG of the show. We also have an episode oh, dropping in two weeks with Chris Estrada, the creator and oh, actor wow. of awesome. This Fool. This we recorded an episode a few months back, but we were waiting to release it right before season two of This Fool came out. Um, love so this fool. I love this. I love that show. Love it's it's awesome. It's great. We love it's this. So one, great. Love um, so we're continuing to try to highlight both the OGs, the people that are doing that, that have done it in the past that have paved the way, the people that are crushing it right now and the independents and those just a level below, you know, breaking through mm-hmm. uh, like ourselves that that need a little push. So, you know, me hint the show. Even though, you know, like I said, like I when I describe the show, I say it's like it's like every other reactionary podcast, except it's two Latinos instead of two white guys. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and we deserve our own space. We deserve to, you know, we, we love everybody that tunes in, uh, regardless of their background, allies, Latinos uh, from all walks of life and stuff like that. Friends, personal friends. This is an inclusive show. But when we do our Latino Latin spotlights, it's to try to highlight a Latino creative mm-hmm. and to try to at least put them out there um, as well. And so they can use, uh, and so that they can use the appearance to reshare it and to sort of showcase their work. Cause I know it's kind of hard to talk about yourself all the time and stuff like that. It's easier <laughs> in an interview format as well. So we want people to brag about their accomplishments, do what they're doing. We're going to keep continuing to do that myself and Sophia until we get too big yeah. for it. <laughs> and you guys move on. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll, we'll turn our back. <laughs> we're stronger together. We got to support each other. And you know what? We got to show the community what what we're putting out there. Because a lot of times we don't get that spotlight, right? So everyone, yes. go to Tubi. Go watch Marigold the Matador. I love it. And if you yeah. don't like it, Counterpunch, my fifth film, Counterpunch is on there as well. Oh, is yeah, it really? Counterpunch. Yeah, both of them are on there and both of them on Amazon. Counterpunch is what came out in 2013. And Lionsgate ha- keeps putting it out on different platforms, which has been great for me because it keeps me relevant and um but that fact that i have that one which is a boxing film and marigold on several different platforms but on the same platforms together um it gives people the option to you know if they don't like marigold they can check out counterpunch or they maybe they just be like i don't like either one of your films ken <laughs> in which case go watch cholo chaplin <laughs> cholo chaplin is on youtube go check yeah, that there out go. there's, You're gonna like there's many things out there there are many things out there for you to hate (laughs) i remember i had a filmmaker tell me like you know you're mediocre you're a hack you're this you're that and i go i go yeah and i got i go well i go i have so much work out there bro i go pick pick something there might be something you might like whereas you don't have any work for me to judge yeah absolutely no uh yeah and if you don't like any of that go watch slapworthy with sophia absolutely look and um i said this before and uh eva longoria said this on an interview before uh, recently um which is the degree of difficulty for a latino or a person of color as a director as a filmmaker is like a thousand percent there's thousands and thousands of mediocre uh, anglo filmmakers that get to make movies over and over and make they make like three piranha 3d and then three years later they're they're directing another movie it doesn't matter meanwhile you or you or myself somebody has you know if there's they they can nitpick our movies and tear them apart and say oh it's you know meanwhile we're scraping and scratching to make it with like breadcrumbs and self-financing 
um, and we we don't have the ability to fail. When I feel that we're going to be on, an, on a level playing field is when we have the right to be mediocre because everybody else has that right except us. We don't have the right to be mediocre. We have to excel every single time um, or else it's deemed a complete failure and we don't get a second chance. So um, like I said, uh, give me a second. Uh, good question here from Keith and forgive my ignorance, but is there a Latino version of Bollywood or Mexico in Latin communities? Yeah. Uh, even when I when I when I was growing up and, and seeing LA and stuff like that, there's there's always been a huge, you know, you got telenovelas, you got Colombian telenovelas that get turned into Mexican telenovelas that then can get turned into shitty TV shows in the US. Uh, you have a huge big Mexican cinema. There's also the, oh, yeah. there was a there was a huge Mexican um silent movie. Uh, community earlier as well and stuff like that. Um, and there's still a thriving, you know, Latin American film community as well. Yes. So. If you have any cable service, go to Cine Latino. It You will see like just hours and hours of amazing Latino content. And you'll see four of my films on Cine Latino. Ooh, dubbed in, dubbed in Spanish. <laughs> ah, míralo. All right. Yeah. Hey, man, if you need a... I got a great story about that, but um, yeah, <laughs> go I got a great go story that we have. You want me to tell? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. So I, I love telling this story because um, it just we got Rosa you, that's going to show Rosa. Rosa's going to sh- uh, join us in a minute, but we'll let Kenneth. Oh, fantastic. Story. Rosa gave us a, an amazing, amazing shout out on Twitter about Marigold the Matador. Yay. And again, man, I didn't ask Rosa to do that. She did it on her own. I, you were the first one to reach out for me for an interview. Polly at the slant interviewed me. I mean, this yeah. is this is what I I I love. I, this is a genuine discussion, and I'm not selling anything. You know what I mean? I don't I, that just I'm not a salesman. It's just a genuine interest, um, and you know I, that's just not what I do. You know, and so I really appreciate it. And and again, uh, we have our little Chicano community now on Twitter, and and Daily Chella is someone I write actually for, I write articles for, um, and Brandon over there. But um, this story is interesting because. I've submitted pretty much all my films to La Leaf, the, the Los Angeles International Latino Film Festival. Yeah. And all of them have been rejected, all of them. So this one, they were they were on hiatus for like three years. And I think it was their comeback, their comeback uh, festival. And I maybe it was about six years ago or four years ago. And my producer calls me and he says, hey, Ken, uh, Cine Latino is going to be a big sponsor at La Leaf. I want you and the cast of, of all your films to go. And I go, bro, they rejected all my films. Why do I, why am I going to go and support? He's like, yeah, but Cine Latino is asking for you to be there because all your films are on their platform. And the way the producer made it, told me, it was like, he's like, you get to have a, a huge flex that you've never pre- been at that festival with any of your films, but yet you're the only filmmaker there who's gotten distribution and is on Cine Latino. So that I was like, oh, so I go, okay, fine. But I know they always love to do their little VIP for all the, you know, VIP party. I go, make sure I get a VIP pass. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I went, you know, and I'm on the red carpet and they're asking me, you know, what film do you have? I go, well, I have three, three, actually at that time, I only had two films on Cine Latino. I go, two of my films are on Cine Latino. And they're like, oh, what year did you screen at La Leaf? I go, oh, I've never seen at La Leaf. I have two films on Cine Latino. But they did, um, they did translate three of them and my in-laws uh they have all my movies memorized because every time it pops up on cine latino they they watch it <laughs> oh i love that that's pretty badass they never got screened in la leaf but hey you're in cine latino that got distribution baby that's badass <laughs> absolutely absolutely um 
All right, we're live with Kenneth Castillo, director, Marigold, The Matador, available on Tubi, as well as some of his movies. And you can watch some of his films on Cine Latino as well. Thank you for everybody that's been uh, hanging out with us. Um, Planet Earth, uh, Inside by Vegetables, <laughs> Keith and everybody yeah. uh, for dropping by. Make sure that if you're watching, you give this uh, stream a like, share it, and you can catch the Mi Gente Show podcast, uh, new episodes weekly, uh, usually we have somebody live here. We talk to them. And then a, a couple of weeks later, we drop the audio only version as well. Mm -hmm. um, so the next episode that just dropped was, was another filmmaker, uh, Mexican native filmmaker, Alex Miranda, who was a child actor in the Lost World Jurassic Park. And he has a company called We Are Brave Bird. Uh, his episode is available now anywhere you get your podcast. He talks about being directed by Steven Spielberg and by and about his film called Decolonizing Dinner. Uh, which was mm -hmm. really cool film at the festival. And then next week we have an episode with Annabelle Inigo, Cubana Dominicana filmmaker from Wish Upon a Disco Ball. And mm -hmm. then, so fuck, we're all over the place with, with Latino Amazing. Yeah. That girl's going to get an Oscar. how many Oscar filmmakers someday. are out there? Look how I have so many. Filmmakers so, are out there. so John Leguizamo and uh, Eva Longoria need to get together. They need to pitch a, 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 a series for HBO Max or for somebody. And then they get Annabelle, Alex, Kenneth, myself, and a few other Latino filmmakers each signed on to direct an episode. Boom. There and I can act in it. There you go. Sophia, or AD. Or AD. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get Sophia. some kind of production job. She'll, 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 she can shadow us. <laughs> <Fuck you. laughs> All right. Uh, so since we're talking film entertainment, we've been talking with Kenneth. Let's bring on from the Daily Cella, official awesome badass film reviewer, uh, Rosa Parra. Hey! Hey! What's up? Welcome, baby girl. Oh my god, it's been a while. Hi, Kenny. Wow. Hi. How you doing? Thank you. I'm so excited that you that you're on the show. I had no idea, but uh, that's amazing. I, and then thank you so much for your your shout out to my little film. Oh uh, no, no worries. Um, it was it was a really good film, actually. I I saw a part of the interview you did with um, Polly at the Latino Slant, and I was like, you know what? I need to I need to watch this because again, I don't feel comfortable going out there advocating and and talking about representation of Latinos if I don't do my due diligence and go out there and support whatever's already out there. So, no, well, it was really it's a great film. That. Thank you right, so much. Wow. Shout out to the Daily Cello, which you guys are both a part of. Since yeah. I'm since yes. I'm Colombian and Uruguayan, I don't qualify. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, shout out to uh, to Brandon. And I love. I want. I, I I know they're probably doing distribution, but if not, I'd love to. I'd love to screen his his doc um, at San Diego. Let's American Homeboy. Yeah, American mm -hmm. Homeboy. I'm pretty sure he's going to get distribution by then, if not already. But if not, um, or even if it does, I'd love. I'd love a chance to screen that movie next year at uh, San Diego. Latino Film Festival, uh, so, so that would be that would be great. So mm -hmm. shout out the Daily Cello for all the stuff that they're doing. And there's an app now where every time Rosa or Kenneth writes an article, you guys can get notified and you can read it right on the app. Mm -hmm. All right, Rosa, what do you got for us? What did you watch? What are we looking forward to this week? I know you got into uh, Dial of Destiny as well as Mission Impossible. <laughs> are you yeah. allowed to talk about those yet, or what's going on? What do you feel? Which one can you talk about? Yes, I did watch uh, Indiana Jones, Style of Destiny. I was may on it. I did give it actually a rotten uh, score. I wasn't too too fond of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but you know what? It was it was. Okay. Was it better than Crystal Skull? Oh, that's all I ask. <laughs> it had to be. It had to that's be better than Crystal Skull. 
I, by default, it is, I guess. Okay. Polly said the uh, exact same thing you did. I'm still going to see it, but he, Polly said the exact <laughs> same thing you did. When I said, as long as it's better than Crystal Skull, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, it is better, but oh man, it was quite. I think it's the runtime. I don't know what's up with the, these movies now. They're all above almost three hours each film yeah. that I've been seeing, and then the ones that are uh, they're going to be upcoming as well, like Oppenheimer and then Flowers of of, of the of the Scorsese movie. I was like, man, these these movies they better be good to keep me um, engaged. Otherwise, I'm just gonna be bored out of my yeah. mind. And yeah, Dial of Destiny was certainly not the best. And Mission Impossible, I think I'm in the minority here. Um, when I say I can't talk about it because uh, embargo lifted like two days ago, I already wrote my review. I submitted it. It should be posting pretty soon. Um, over at the Daily Trailer. Hi, hey. Hey. Um, I know the Daily Trailer is gonna be all full of my reviews. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? I liked it. It's it's good for what it is. Also, another lengthy film whose t- um, runtime I eventually ended up feeling throughout. But you know what? I cannot ignore the the magic that is Tom Cruise and his his daredevil personality that just <laughs> I, Rosa, I, I, you have a thing for tom cruise is what i'm picking up on right first <laughs> it's, there's something about the old do you need a minute rosa rosa is the one person rosa is the one person that when when uh, when you're scrolling twitter and that uh, that thing for the church of scientology comes by oh, she, she immediately like tunes in to see if she sees tom on there she's like oh is, is no, no, talk no. to me about our god tom cruise <laughs> our god right uh no 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 I, i'm just talking about just what he does on screen and and just the stunts that that man pulls off and yeah. the fact that he's doing this at his age is just yeah. mind-boggling uh, to yeah. to be quite frank and how's east just tell me east side is a badass because he looks badass in the, in the oh the trailer. my god isai morales is incredible in this yeah incredible yeah i'm lukewarm on the movie uh, everybody's praising it everybody's saying it's the best action film uh a lot of people are, are saying that it's better than john wick 4 uh, in my eyes it comes nowhere near john wick 4 yeah i was about uh, to say john wick 4 is a high bar yeah it, this comes nowhere near it but no, it does have its moments, and mm-hmm. yeah, you'll 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 be able to read more about it when the review comes out. But yeah, I'm lukewarm about it. Uh, I think the middle part. You know what? I think that a lot of these sequences, <laughs> and I might get some hate for this, but at this point, I really don't care. <laughs> I was just reminded of a Fast and Furious movie. And oh my god! I just watched just starring just, Tom Cruise, and that's oh it. Oh wow. Listen, man. I, that's low praise. I'm gonna do a. I have to do like I I I because sometimes I, I watch I watch movies while I work. So you know, as I'm inputting data and stuff like that, and I was yeah. like, I'm gonna watch Fast Ten today that I had downloaded, and I started watching no. it. And I was like, it, I was like, oh my god, the laws of how do you go from a car raising L.A. culture movie? They're in outer space where, where he's very clearly Italian coded, and then all of a sudden he's a he's a Latino from like Brazil and Dominican. Where and now they're just the Avengers, and, yeah. It's, yeah. and it's like the laws of physics do not matter. These right. guys got like indestructible cars. I was like, how much this car can this car literally can fall off on an airplane, break through concrete barriers, and then can outrun a fireball. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's, and it's like, and, and then at the end of it, we just, and they, they, they crash into the fucking water and they have zeros. I'm just like, 
the balls <laughs> of these filmmakers. And it's not even like John Wick 4 where they're aware of what they are and they're like, we're just going to steer into this fucking thing. It's like they're, they're, they're doing it unironically and it's incredibly hilarious to me. I'm sorry. Rant <laughs> over. All right, just giving the shout out here. Speaking of Latino content, uh, if you guys are into anything nerdy, check out the Red 5 Network. Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. They're mostly Star Wars based, but they do a bunch of good shit. Shout out Ro. He's been on the show. Um, he says he like Crystal Skull better. I mean, all right. Uh, <laughs> Keithan says, uh, I'm telling you, old IPs are getting stale, new blood type. Yeah. Yes. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people are saying that. That's uh, that's the audience. Yeah. Yeah, IPs. I mean, you're right. It's a combination of the two. The IPs are getting stale, but the people that are writing and 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 the story points are so fucking similar every time. It's always, you know, it's always the 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 machine that they have to stop and the mindless zombies that you don't have to feel bad about killing. And it's always the same fucking thing over and over. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's the magic appeal in Fast and Furious. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely, man. Like seriously, I was like, what car is this that could just fall from an airplane, land, and still break through concrete barriers? Doesn't matter because it's Dominic Toretto. What's Dominic? What's Dominic Toretto's favorite restaurant? Oh God! Family House of Pancakes. No. I'll, <laughs> oh damn it! It's Olive Garden because when you're there, you're family. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I think my answer was. I don't know, friends. I have family. Anyway, uh, that's actually uh, a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, who's the, the director of um, of uh, God? I was um, oh God, the uh, Mad Max film, the latest Mad Max film. Oh, uh, you're talking about the older guy, older gentleman? Yeah. Yeah, he actually had said uh, about the Fast and Fury movies, he's like, they're fine. He's like, the problem is their cars can't do any of that for real. He's like, all the cars in our movie are doing what you see them doing. George Miller. Mm -hmm. Yeah, George Miller. Like, he, he had, a, I mean, that was a great film, too. And that was one of my favorite, two of my favorite actors in that film with Charlize Theron and, and uh, yeah. Tom Hardy. Yeah, that was an incredible film. Oh, yeah. I don't know how he was in his 70s shooting it, too. I, I can't wrap my hand around that. No, oh, that, wow. that's insane. That's insane. That's like Terrence Malick and all these other directors that just keep working. Scorsese Clint, still working. Clint yeah. How, Clint I mean, Eastwood. I cannot yeah. fucking wait uh, for for uh, what is it? Flowers of the Killer Moon or Killers of the Flower Moon? What I'm actually it? looking forward to that one. Yeah, <laughs> Flowers of the Killer Moon. Yeah, I can't. Like I, 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 Oppenheimer. There's so many good movies coming out this year. Barbie. Barbie. Barbie versus Oppenheimer. Can't forget about Barbie. Sophia. Can't forget about Shame Barbie. On Shame on you. Right? You haven't well, seen I, the Barbie versus Oppenheimer memes? It's great. Yeah, no, no <laughs> my favorite was like, he's like, what are you going to watch first? He's like, only sociopaths say they're going to watch uh, Oppenheimer. Or Barbie first. He's like, no, you watch uh, you watch Oppenheimer in the morning. Then you go fucking read a book about World War Two. <laughs> then you go have brunch. Then you go watch Barbie, and then you, you go out to the club. And then you and go, go to exactly. Yeah. <laughs> then you go to the club. I don't know. And and uh, they're already starting the the rivalry because I got my I got an email yesterday for the screening of Oppenheimer, and I'm like, all right, let's do this. Let's ooh, RSVP. Ooh. And then I got the one for Barbie. Same day, same time, and I'm oh, like, oh wow. Okay, I already reserved for Oppenheimer. Either way, I was gonna watch that one first anyway. Yeah, did you see the actors of Barbie at Margot Robbie like yes. taking pictures watching Oppenheimer? Yeah, <laughs> that was so yeah, funny. I'm right. like, that's Tom Cruise with Tom Cruise as well, right? Everybody was. Yeah. <gasps> Scarab yeah, says, Tom I'm Cruise. so proud to say I've never seen a Fast and Furious man. Neither have I. Yeah, Neither that's the first three. That's like me, I've never Not watched one. Doctor Who. 
I've never watched that. Watch so Fast yeah. Five. Fast Five is the best one. Um, I, I haven't if watched you, If you were like to them. accidentally, or you have insomnia one night, and then you just like need to do something, distract yourself, just watch Fast Five. That one's. I just I can't I, don't I can't know. stand I... Vin Diesel. I just don't believe a word that comes out of that guy's oh, mouth. Oh, then don't watch it. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, then no. Then watch it when he can't leaves. do it. Yeah. Right. So besides, uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up uh, uh, while Rosa was here, because it's it, it kind of knocked off this week, is um, everybody knows we have the WGA Strikers going on. The Directors Guild came to an understanding. And now the Actors Guild, uh, actually, it was funny because Fran Dreschner signed a letter that the Guild had written that was addressed to her. <laughs> And so it's it's weird because at first I think she was angling for no strike from the actors and then all the other actors. And it's like, no, fuck it. We're striking. And she was like, OK, I guess so. Um, <laughs> a recent story came out that uh, there was a story about David Zaslav um, and the it was pulled after it was basically about just the shitty stuff that he's done. Um, how he's become sort of public enemy number one because you know they're the, the they basically shelved Batgirl movie for a tax write off and a bunch of his other bullshit where there there's movies that get put on platforms and then they get taken off like six months later or three months later you know fucking over the filmmakers that sometimes are getting paid based on residuals and stuff like that um, so there was an article that was going to be published about David Saslab about how he became public enemy number one. And it got pulled by GQ. And basically, it's come out recently that the editor who pulled the GQ article was actually producing a movie for Warner Brothers. So <laughs> good old Hollywood nepotism and, and, and good old boys club. So the editor who pulled the story is producing a movie for Warner Brothers. You can't make this shit up. Um, and of course there's a, uh, there's a, it's the internet. So there's a archive of the article that's mm -hmm. available because you, you, once it's up there, I'll put that in the comment section in, in terms of anybody watching, but, uh, Rosa, Kenneth question for both of you, um, that are sort of in the mix, you're going to premieres, you're talking with people in LA. What's the feeling right now about the strike and, and, and is, are people still, you know, cause, cause I think it's, it's gone long enough that basically this might go on for a while, right? Well, I, uh, Rosa, do you want do you want to go first? Oh, you can go ahead. Well, I think what's going to happen is, well, there are two things. I think that SAG is going to get their deal and they're going to settle. Um, so I don't think SAG's going to go on strike. I, I said that the DGA was not going to go on strike. They were going to get what they what they wanted. Um, the writers. It's going to go on. There's going to be a 90 days where it's going to come up where all these giant deals are going to be expired. And the and the um, the studios and networks are going to pull these giant deals. And so I from what I'm hearing, there's a lot of pressure from some of these really big name uh, showrunners on these shows. They're trying to get them to settle because they don't want to lose those deals. And that's going to set everything back even further because once the strike is over then there's there's everything has to start over again ryan murphy actually just got in trouble because he's shooting on the east coast he has three there's five shows in production on the east coast and three of them are produced by ryan murphy and he's he's working as a showrunner and as a director and executive producer but not as a writer and so he got into it with uh, the wga captains 
So I think those guys, the Chandra Rhymes, the Ryan Murphys, um, they're feeling the pressure right now because they're going to lose a lot if this goes on past 90 days. And I think it will. Um, but if SAG doesn't strike, that's going to put pressure on the WGA to settle. And, you know, I, I think it's, um, I think there's a thing that people say in public and I think there's things that they do in private and the solidarity that we see. And I've said this on other podcasts, um, that needs to happen in the room. Um, I'm all for a strong union. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm pro union, but you can't be, comp- if you don't want a mini room, you can't take the mini room when they give it to you. You got to say right then and there, no, 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 this is not how it's done. And, and the DG and the WGA needs to back them, you know, because once you've done it, the studios are like, well, you guys can do shows with five at writers. You don't need 12 writers or 20 writers. I mean, for comedies you do because everyone's giving their funniest ideas. Right. But for dramas, their attitude is, you know, there are people, Mike White wrote and directed every episode of two seasons of White Lotus. Mm. So that's what they're seeing. So an AI is already here. I know they don't want it fighting it, but it's already here. And like, my thing is let them embrace it. And then they'll see that it's going to fail and how artificial the storytelling will be. I mean, it's called artificial intelligence. It's in the name. The audience will reject it. I'm confident that the audience will reject it. And then they're going to have to go back to how things were. And I use the 3D, uh, the 3D effect on movies, you know, 15 years ago that every movie was 3D. The audience rejected it. Um, so that's how I feel on that. With the David Zasloff thing, um, I, you know, I just don't think the guy is, uh, I don't think he likes telling stories. I don't think he has respect for movies and television. Absolutely. Rosa, did you have anything else to add? <laughs> no, that's why I wanted Kenneth to talk. He's more equipped to talk about this than I am. Um, I mean, I'll, 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 all I can say is based on, on what I see, and I mean, I go to work um, every day and I drive by past the Paramount Studios lot as well as the CBS one. And yeah, people are still striking. People are still out there um, doing their thing. And I, I do agree that when you do have somebody like Saslav who is in charge of all of this, but he isn't a filmmaker himself and he isn't somebody who um, loves movies or the art or even knows anything about the art. And it's just about the business. And I think that's the, what, the what's very difficult about Hollywood right it's a marriage between art and business and that's when it it can get frustrating to hear about everything that's going on all the decisions he's making but on the other hand it's what Hollywood is sadly it's it is about the business it is about the money at the end of the day and it's unfortunate and it sounds harsh but yeah and I I think that the the two major issues with right now and and what makes to me, a really good producer is they have some, they have taste. Yeah. I don't think any of these people have taste. And when I say that means they know what people want to see or -hmm. what people come out to see. I don't think there are very many executives in Hollywood right now who have any type of taste. They're not in the real world. They don't know what people want to watch. They're guessing like everybody else. And their taste is terrible because they keep failing with all these big budget films. Um, And then the other thing is, what I find interesting about the Zaslav killing the, the GQ story, it really shows you how fragile these guys' egos are. This guy's a, 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 a multi, multi-millionaire executive in charge of 
you know, uh, uh, billions of dollars worth of property, right? And I'm talking yeah. just uh, across the board in terms of what he's in charge of. But he's he but he's upset that someone wrote a bad article about him. Are you kidding me? Like as an independent filmmaker, you know how many people I've had tell me I suck. You know what I mean? Do I let it? Do I try to smash? You know, stop their voice? No. But it shows you how fragile this man's ego is, and they should just go after him constantly because he's just shown how weak an individual he is. Absolutely. And I think that you, you said it earlier, uh, Ken, if it's it's going to be when it fails and it lands like I've already seen articles about certain publications like the AV Club and other places that their their management without the editorial board's consent is dropping AI generated articles. There was an AI generated article that came out, I think, yesterday, and it was supposed to be a comprehensive list of all the AI of all the Star Wars. And it had the Star Wars movies out of order. It didn't, you know, it made a whole bunch of mistakes. And um, believe it, like you said, AI is here. The people at the top are not artists. Filmmaking and TV Mm -hmm. making is a collaborative art. It is the collaborative art. Um, So unless the movies, the articles, the scripts, the TV shows that AI generates fail, don't even click on them for curiosity. It's like the Mindy Kalin show that was horrible and it got a second season because people were hate watching it. People are hate watching The Idol on HBO. And I think it might get a second season, even though it fucking sucks. Um, Stuff like that. I'm sorry. There's an earthquake over here. My German. (laughs) Uh, uh, But um, so I think uh, that's got to fail. AI's got to fail. 3D's got to fail. They promised me 3D porn. It sucked. It's got to fail. You know, so it's gotta, oh, it's gotta have. It's gotta have. <laughs> great, great. We, so AI is gonna fail. Trust me. Um, and and it, like I said, like some of those picket signs, AI AI can't replace my trauma. It can't. Mm. You know, it doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Um, I wanted to ask Rosa while she's here. Did you get a chance to see um, uh, No Hard Feelings? And do you have any thoughts on it? No, not yet. Okay. Are you, are you, they're saying it's trying to bring back 2000 comedies. Oh, you know what? I've been hearing a lot of good things about it, actually. Yeah, same here. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually interested in watching this. I mean, you know, obviously. I, I just barely caught Transformers and that thing came out like a month ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to catch up. I, I've just had a busy schedule with school and work and the kiddos. So, yeah, I've been trying to. <laughs> to keep up but it's tough and when these movies are three hours they don't make it any easier either um but no it's it is on my bucket list i need to watch that i need to watch i think joyride i also been hearing good things about that one i think that one comes out this weekend joyride Mm -hmm. um and yeah i've been trying trying to catch up but no i have not seen it unfortunately i'm interested in checking it out all right everybody Thanks for everybody that's stopping by. We're going here. We're continuing live with Kenneth uh, Castillo, director, Sophia Carr, underscore from OCM. Uh, wait, what? You guys need to go watch Sophia's reaction show to Coming Out for Love, please. Right, Sophia? Where can they watch your show? Uh, that one's going to be on OML.TV on their YouTube channel. Yes. All right. Make sure you guys watch, go on Tubi. And well, that's the react show to a, react show. a reality show, the react show to a reality show that I was in. All right. And then Latino Slang coming in with his weekly hate. It's my favorite, <laughs> Sofia, with the great Castillo and Rosa and some guy named Luigi. Yes. <laughs> we love this Polly. Love, love you, Polly. Uh, Polly. Dizzy, said, 
Dizzy said that movie was fun. I miss comedies like that. All right, cool. So the reactions have been good to it. I heard it was All a right. solid rom-com. Ross, so. Rosa, was there anything else in news, uh, in entertainment or movies that you wanted to touch on? Um, Not that I can think of at the moment. Uh, just, again, I just watched Transformers. I had a good time, surprisingly, uh, for yeah. another big blockbuster IP talking about franchises right uh yeah. no this one was actually pretty good i was actually surprised by it and how to watch it because i'm working on an article where i'm gonna be uh just a little taste be highlighting latino shows films and performances so far since Can't we're wait. already halfway past the year so wow, that's nice. gonna be fun nice you know what one thing i want to bring up with both of you real quick uh before we move on to hellscape watch um is uh blue beetle because we talked earlier in the show about movies that have 100 million, 200 million budgets and they spend 100 million dollars on promotion. Mm-hmm. This movie's coming out in two months. I have not seen one thing about it in the press. I, yeah. I think, but I think if I think that if it crushes, if it crushes with this little support, it's almost like. They're putting us up against that. Oh, you want to, you want more representation. You want, you want, you want Latino leads and these movies that aren't necessarily Latino stories and blah, blah. So I don't know. Does it feel like this is like, like, like an AP English test here? We're like, listen, if you guys are going to get your blockbuster Latino movie, you're going to have to do it with very little promotion. It's two months out. If this was a fucking Marvel movie, you would already have like interviews, contests, Pepsi tie-ins, stuff like that. I haven't seen shit about Blue Beetle. Um, so do you think this is going to be, do you think that this is being done on purpose? Do you think it's just like there it's there, but you know, just kind of give me your thoughts on, on it, on it being so close to coming out and, and it's, and it doesn't feel like the major release as of yet, maybe I could be wrong. They could just be trying to do like something at the end, but even smaller movies, I was hearing about flaming hot for several months. You know, I was hearing about other movies, uh, way in advance. Rosa, do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, my. I I rarely go to the movie theaters to watch the trailers. I always go reserve my ticket and then just arrive 15, 20 minutes later, right? Uh, After the starting time, because I don't like watching trailers. Um, However, recently I've been watching all the trailers. And every time the Blue Beetle trailer comes out, by the way, it looks incredible on the biggest screen. Um, I I hear people reacting to it, surprisingly, uh, unlike the other uh, trailers that are... uh, coming out before and after it. So I think it might be slightly too early just because they might be focusing a lot with uh, Barbie and they're spending a lot of time with, I don't know, if Oppen- I don't know. I don't think Oppenheimer is Warner Brothers. Um, is Barbie? I think Barbie is one. I don't even know anymore. But <clears throat> they are, uh, I-, I think it's a little early. Uh, just give it a few weeks. Just a it must have been a few months ago. Um, I did get an email from a PR person asking me to update my address and my email because they were going to be sending uh, goodies throughout. And I had already received a poster like a couple months ago. So okay. they, I, I think they do have a plan. Um, okay. It's not being shown just yet. Uh, but I, I would be really disappointed. And oh, my God incredibly disappointed if they don't do any marketing and they just yeah. go based on the trailers. Kenneth, did you have a thought on that? Oh yeah. No, I mean, if we, if we look at this guy's, the guy who runs DC, I mean, uh, Warner brothers, DC, we've been talking about him a lot today Zasloff. I mean, if you, we look at his track record, um, you know, I have every reason to believe that he's not going to promote 
uh, this the way it should be. That being said, the lead actor, I always pronounce Mr. Pronto's name is Cho, uh, uh, Zolo. Cholo? He was he was freestyling on on uh, on 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 on, uh, on on Shady Forty Five the other day. I think he was. Yeah, he was, and but he he has a huge he has a huge following and uh, from Cobra Kai, and mm -hmm. I know that that a lot of at least the the Latino outlets that I've seen have been promoting that, but the fact that we're two men two months away and we're not seeing it you know being seen more of a of a of a marketing uh, campaign again. It's it's what in the in the what thirty to forty million dollar range that movie? I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you know it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But given this guy's track record, who runs Warner Brothers, um, it wouldn't surprise me if his attitude is, well, you know what, we got a popular star, let it, you know, do. I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't see him having a passion and getting that film out and taking a risk on the marketing, which I think if people know about it, people are going to go see it, especially, especially. 90 million okay 90 good million. Polly and Polly has a theory too about whether or not oh, yeah Polly Polly I, I can drop the I can drop you the link if, if you're at if you're at the at the war station at the slant studios I'll shoot you the link if you want to jump on and give us your theory man make sure you put your mustache on though Polly Even the, yeah <laughs> paint on that paint on that mustache slick back that hair and and get in here put on <laughs> pick, pick a fedora and get get in the mix um, but yeah, so I just, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see it. I'm excited about it. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, well, I mean, Comic Con is when next month or yeah, two, yeah. two weeks, two mm -hmm. weeks, this month. month. Yeah. yeah, two weeks. Yeah. I mean, if it, if they're not at Comic Con, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be interested to see what's going to happen. I'm going to see who's there. Cause all I've been reading about is, yeah, the list, actually a list just came out of, of uh, events <gasps> that are right. happening. And um, you know, so everybody look for it at Comic Con. Yeah. It needs uh, to be at Comic Con. It's not there. We'll, we'll have our answer. You know, we'll have right. our answer. Yeah. Keith says it's the same folks who thought Flash was going to save DCU. Good luck. Yeah, that's also true. Mm -hmm. All right, we have a question coming in here from. Wouldn't YouTube. that be awesome though if if Blue Beetle Listen, outperforms Flash? My theory. Oh, that would look, be so. Satisfying. I think I think it's going to crush. I think it's going to fucking crush. It that's my great. my just, my prediction yeah. is it's going to fucking crush ass. And uh, all right, Polly, two seconds. It'll be in there. Um, the I think it's going to crush, and I think that. They're going to rush after the point, like, look what the good thing we did. But it's going to have minimal promotion. I think it'll have a little bit towards the end, and it's going to fucking destroy. Um, and it's going to be a good thing for us. Mm -hmm. So so there. All right, we had a question coming in before we move on. Uh, DB, what's up, DB? Thanks for stopping by. What are your thoughts about love on streaming channels? Huh. All right, is that, that the – I love it. Uh, I am not a romantic comedy guy. Um I loved One Day at a Time. I love that creator, Gloria Calderon Kellett. Um, I didn't I think I was going to like it. I watched it because I, I know Pepe Serna, who's on there, Benito Martinez. I know a lot of actors I've worked with that are on that show, so I wanted to support. Uh, me and the wife watched it. I, I dig it, and I'll tell you why. You believe the relationships, man. It's like, I, I say it a million times. If we believe the relationships, we will go wherever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's and it's Gloria's sense of humor, and she's able to kind of – be a little. Uh, it's funny because it's, it's 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 sexy. It's funny. It's sweet. It's a little raunchy at times. It's a great mix. Um, so I, I'm glad someone asked about that. Or there is a, are they talking about a with love? Are they talking about with love on because I think they said about love. I think it's called with love. If, if we're talking a, about the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, if we're I, talking I, about the same thing. But it's on Amazon, and I think people should definitely try it. The lead is amazing. She's beautiful. She's funny, and and um, 
uh, it's it's a really great show. And I just seeing mm-hmm. like Constance Marie working like it was a great mix of new again, a great mix of established stars, legendary stars and up and coming. So I think I uh, think people would enjoy it. Yeah, we need to support Tia Glow Show. We need to support This Fool on Hulu. We need to support Primo uh, on Freebie as well, uh, which mm-hmm. is really good. There's a lot. We, we, we got some stuff happening right now. We've been bitching yeah, forever. Absolutely. We got some stuff <laughs> out there. We, we, yeah, we we've more. been bitching we, forever. Yeah. With, love. with love, with love. Yeah, with love. With love, yeah. yes. Yeah, okay, love, love. that's the one I'm talking about. All right. Uh, everybody, thanks for stopping by. All right, we're going to – I shot Polly the links in your inbox uh rosa you can you're you know we're gonna do nonamis way and we're gonna do some tabs so you know you're welcome to stick around but i know if you if your kids or anything needed you're always you can you can drop off whenever you want to okay Hi. um all right oh polly's gonna come in here real quick all right let's do the let's let's throw out the bad single it's time for what do we call this sophia hellscape what are we doing i don't know well, yeah we're switching up. we're switching we're switching out we're switching out <laughs> <laughs> I have not, no idea. Not. We were in entertainment news. Are we switching now? We're, yeah, we're going. We're going to. Uh, we're going to Hellscape Watch. This is fine. I hate it here. <laughs> this is the worst part. Uh. This is the worst part. All right. Uh, let's, uh, Polly's getting settled in. Let's give him a couple of seconds. We're going to get his opinions on what's going on. But uh, real quick, I wanted to get, um, I wanted to get your reaction, Sophia, on the two major SCOTUS reactions uh, that, mm-hmm. that happened over the last week. Obviously, uh, affirmative action as well as LGBTQ protections. From an imaginary case, this was an imaginary grievance. They yeah. made up a name. They picked the person random and they said, this person wants me to design a gay website and I don't want to. The person was A, not gay and B, did not ask for a website to be designed. Uh, so your thoughts specifically on that during Pride Month, no less. Um, could you wait? Could you actually like pull up a uh, whatever article you're reading on that? Because I don't know the specific details on that one. I thought we were gonna go on student loans, and that's the one that I'm fucking pissed okay, about. Okay, so fuck it. Tell me about student loans. Fuck that. They shot it down. I'm fucking pissed. Are you kidding me? Oh my god. I mean, yes, the LGBT stuff. We'll get there. But oh my god, because we had been waiting all year for a reaction. We knew that the Supreme Court is all Republican and shit. So of course, I knew it wasn't gonna happen. But I was just, I had a little hope in this country that we might be a little democratic. Maybe this would pass. The f- freaking working class cannot catch a break. We do not get any, any own repayments. Yeah, I needed that. <laughs> do you know that would have changed my life? That really would have. But it's life-changing amount of money and That's it's not that much. But when, <laughs> but when uh, billionaires, like they just need a loan or a banks uh, need to get like, um, what is that called when they... Uh, when they go bankrupt and exactly then we have an unlimited amount of money in the treasury but no god fucking god forbid that the working class get a little break with the ppp right. loans how many like not only it wasn't just small businesses it was big business that thrived and all that all those all the loans all that money went very happily to very rich businesses and then in this case, to students, to working class, to actual people that are having a hard time, like 
they can't even get a little a little ten thousand a little ten k a little ten a little ten twenty k bag 10, 20K. help help us out yeah, no, no nothing sorry. nothing zero no, no bag for the Rosa but, do you have any thoughts do you have any student loans I do actually um <laughs> uh, I'm still paying those things off but I don't know I, uh, I mean I'm not surprised anymore it's unfortunate I'm in a I'm in a state where. <laughs> I'm like desensitized, desensitized yeah, to all of this, and I'm just like, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, what's oh, that? DB, trust me, we're getting to that in a second. Uh, uh, it's I feel you, Sophia, actually got the approval letter for the forgiveness, which makes it worse. Yeah, me too. Oh, I got an approval letter. Oh, it was like, oh. you, if if it goes through, you're good to go, and then we were like, it's not gonna go through. Yeah. Oh, all right, we got other stuff to move out. I'm it's going to happen. Look, look, look. We're talking entertainment they'll right fi- now. Yeah, they'll figure something else out. They'll figure I something think. out. We got yeah. some SCOTA stuff that we can cover in a little bit if we time, if that's time, Sophia. But I think we're, we're, we've been sort of moving more entertainment this this episode. Mm-hmm. And then Polly said he had an idea or a thought, pro, uh, a, oh. a theory on that. So, was uns- and oh yeah, definitely. There was a white powder found in the White House. Yes, so awesome. I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> love that. Okay. That's like, which Fox yeah. News reporter, which Fox fuck News reporter yeah. dropped it? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Uncle Bidey back there staying awake doing fat rails before his oh, president. Yeah. Love it. Love it. <laughs> love it. That, that's going to be the new movie, right? We got what? Cocaine Bear, Cocaine Shark, and now. It's, it's cocaine president. Cocaine president. Yeah. Cocaine president. No, 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 it, it writes itself. They're, they're transporting the cocaine bear. There's cocaine in a White House. He breaks in. It's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. We can write that. All right. But with an unscheduled, unscripted uh, appearance here, uh, Polly, the Latino sled, stopping by. What's up, Polly? Hey, what's going on? Hey! Hey, it's, a party. Party. it's a party first of all uh want to say hello to sofia and rosa Hi. two lovely Hi. lovely women intelligent fun oh stop it just uh i saw rosa last week i had to like yeah we hug. watched mission impossible together yeah, yeah. nice yeah. and then the the the, the great prolific independent director kenneth castillo and uh, some pothead over there, you know, yeah. in the corner. <laughs> Sophia, you need to you need to get rid of that. Get get rid of this dude. The fuck, man! I love that Luis oh, took God. a big drag right when you said yeah. that. Right? Yeah, I was, like, waiting, was, was waiting for that. Get it out of the way, Polly. <laughs> All right, This is what it happened. No, like, Latino podcast coming together. <laughs> Yeah, no, hey, I'm always uh I'm always uh you know promoting you guys. I appreciate it. I just promoted you. you guys right now on our on You're our, the man on our uh, community page on the uh, YouTube. But I know I'm know. glad you came on because I know you have a strong opinion yeah, yeah, about Polly, you've been follow, you've been following Blue Beetle uh pretty you know pretty Oh close. I can't talk about about the Supreme Court. Oh, okay. <laughs> or that too. Whatever you want to start with. No, what do you want to start with? No, let's okay. give us your your blue beetle theory. Um, I mean, we got a couple okay. of things we're going to yes. touch on if you want to. Yeah, stick I, I I think it's a little I think it's a little strange. Like today, like what you guys were saying, and then uh, I heard a couple people uh, on the Twitter talking about how like oh you know we're not hearing anything about it. I just found out that the date was it was August eighteenth. I'm like really, I mean, like I've known about this date for a year, you know, and they upgraded this. You got to remember they this movie was supposed to be straight to streaming and then uh zasloff and them not only uh 
you know, kept the movie, but upgraded to a theatrical release. He believes this much in this film to keep it on his slate, which says a lot because, you know, he got pretty cutthroat with Batgirl. And, um, but here's my thing. He's had three bombs in a row. Shazam, right? Black Adam. And now the flash. I mean, one of the big, you know, you, you, it's like one of two huge disasters this year with Indiana Jones as far as just box office wise. I think what's happening right now, which I think is very smart, is that they are clearing the way for the next month and a half. And they're just going to get real quiet. They want to let that superhero fatigue die because everyone's sick of these big movies not, not, uh, not coming through, you know, the superhero movies. Um, cause also too, you know, Marvel was, is, was kind of bombing too with, um, Ant-Man guardians of the galaxy is, uh, proven to have some legs. I know it's Rosa, one of Rosa's favorite films of the year, but, um, I think with DC, you know, they're in so much, they're, 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 there's this influx of James Gunn coming in and like the whole new world and the whole new, everything that he's going to do. He's saying that blue beetle is our first character. That's part of the new world. Superman's going to be the first new movie under our regime. So mm-hmm. that does say to me something that because they're going for a whole youth movement with these superhero actors, everyone's gone. Everyone's gone, right? Sholo Stain. And now you can just see that in, as far as how they casted Superman as a, what he's, I think he's 29. Yeah, he's a yeah. very, Longer, yeah. very young man from Pennsylvania, you know, to play uh, mm-hmm. Kal-El. So, um, and they say we're not going to get the origin story again, which is cool. Right. It's going to be legacy. Yeah. I mean, and uh, we're all James Gunn fans here as far as Guardians, I, I assume. Uh, he, he knows how to do uh, superhero uh, films. So um, I think, I, 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 you know, because there was a uh, superhero fatigue, because, you know, I'm in those circles a lot with all, all the nerds that, that come and support the slant. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Why wait? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Did they, your dogs don't like the word nerd? They didn't like it. No, they got offended. Damn. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Do you agree? Do you agree with me, Polly? That if they if they don't have a presence of Blue Beetle at Comic Con, that that's gonna that says a lot. Well, yeah, because the thing is, things have been things have been dropping, <clears throat> and they were doing actually more press. I would say. A month before the flash drop. When the flash drop, everything went dark. Yeah. Because um in their when when they they were all in Vegas together. Uh was it for I forgot what con it is. I can't keep up with the con's names. <laughs> but this was like maybe two months ago. You oh, know? Cinema Con. <clears throat> Thank you. And yeah. they showed the flash. Well, Sholo and Bruna were there, the director there, they were dropping posters. You know, they got swag, they're, you know, good looking people, the whole thing with the cast. <clears throat> but I think really think what happened was that, the, you know, this flash bomb. So they were just, they probably spent way too money tr- also too taking in trying to take the flash to that another level that maybe that depleted some funds. But I, what I, what I thought was going to happen was that we were going to get the second trailer when the flash dropped and that didn't happen. They just kept using the same trailer because it's such a positive reaction on the trailer. And uh, they're probably going to drop it at San Diego, which would be smart. 
So I like that. And then now you're starting to see new articles coming out. Uh, Jorge, uh, Angel and Sholo just did a, a big, a big, uh, a big, you know, cover cover page on cover story on a and Game Insider, Movie Insider. So I'm going to cover that. But one thing I'm a little weary weary of is as far as contractually. Can Sholo or any of them go and promote if they're on strike? That's where it gets a little touchy. Oh. Okay, because no one wants to be perceived as crossing any lines at all. So we'll find out a little bit more about that by next week. Um, that might have an effect because you got to understand Sholo is so popular. He's so well liked. You need him out there. You need him out there. That was another problem that the Flash had. They had a very unlikable leading man. Yes. Very controversial. No one wanted, yep. you know, is what it is. Finally, I think like Luis does that I think this is going to be a sleeper hit. If it's if it's if it's a if it's a good film, origin film, then I think everything else is going to take care of itself. They have all the elements, they have a lot of uh like that young synergy going on with Becky G being it being so part of it music kind of like what spider-verse did you know um so it has that vibe to it definitely potentially yeah and you know um i i think this is the film that the latino movie going audience is will go to it's just got to be good word of mouth because then they'll bring the families Mm-hmm. So that's that was my that's my kind of my theory. What's that? And let's not forget uh, the most important thing. Oh. Uh, the man's got bars. Oh, oh wow, beast is the mode I'm in Feeling like I got a neural implanted Below the skin, full length, Burberry Flash right on the trim, hustlers in the trenches Feeling the trench coat I'm in Hold up, we ain't gotta bring the pull up I hope the murders in my generation Slow up, all locked down like Heather B Cause I'd rather be on a position to be So not only, so I mean, I don't know if this counts as promo Right? But he's out there Pumping Jay Diller doing donuts Hit the track and go nuts I came across my that came across my Twitter feed a couple of uh, days ago. He's out there on Shade Forty Five dropping bars. Oh my getting, god! Getting ready, promoing. But yeah, I agree. That was a that was a well informed uh, take, Polly. Oh, thanks, man. Well rounded. Well rounded. Well rounded. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. So so I mean, I'll, I'm going to be at Comic Con the the uh, the entire the entire week. I'm I'm really want to. I'm really interested in in how that will play out. I've heard that there were some possible picket lines going to happen here in San Diego because in mm-hmm. San Diego there's really nothing to picket. There yeah. is there. Are, there is, <laughs> there's, you know, trust. I mean, like they get like one show a year, you know, or a couple of movies and stuff yeah, like that. That's um, true. So I think it's going to be interesting to see if they do pick it, the uh, Comic-Con or, or like who's allowed to talk or who's willing to talk, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you, how do you guys think that's going to go down? You think the, you think, Polly, go ahead. No, no. I was like, I know Kenneth has unlimited time. Are you? So. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't understand the picket. Well, if it's already done and and made, I don't understand the picketing of the movie um, at, at Comic Con or whatever. I, that's that's something I don't understand. 
Um, and I don't think it wins, wins hearts and minds either. So, um, especially when you have a, we have a Latino superhero for the first time, not the first time, but let's just say a major Latino superhero movie that has a great lead in it and some great buzz to it. Why that they would choose to pick it that I, you know, I don't under, I don't know, you know, and it's hard because you can't just pick it some parts of Comic Con. Like I can understand wanting to pick it this, you know, as much as I dislike this Zaslav guy at the head of DC, of course I'm going to support Blue Beetle. So I don't know, um, I don't know what the answer is to that, to be honest. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I'll be I'll be trying to report, see what's going on, what I see from there. Yeah, that'd be great. Audience. Yeah, post as much as you can because I'm just gonna be here sitting with the popcorn. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, this is the last. I gotta actually. I have to reapply for my pro badge. So I, I but I do have pro badge this year. So I'm gonna take advantage of everything nice. that I can. I'm gonna be there at all the panels. I already have a couple of panels that I saw that are gonna be that I'm definitely gonna try to hook up, and I'm definitely gonna be trying to. Get some more people lined up for me. Hent the show and Latino creators that are going to be at Comic Con and stuff. I'm I'm going to. And I do know they're going to be doing. I think I'm pretty sure they're going to be doing a screening at uh, Casa Zero One Zero One in Boyle Heights, which is a a theater Mm -hmm. that I've been connected Mm -hmm. with. And I believe because I I believe uh, Cholo's uh, taking acting classes there. I think I believe he's taking acting classes there. And I think he's going to show up for that, too. So that's the one thing I would say Flaming Hot did really right in the terms of their promotion. They didn't just do the big red carpets at you know, the big Latino film festivals, they actually did neighborhood screenings. And I always said that that is where these Absolutely. need to happen in the neighborhood, right. not on the red carpet with a bunch of celebrities where our people are kind of pushed to the side. It's like, no, if it's a movie about the community, it needs to be shown in the community. And I already know at least that one is going to happen at, at in Boyle Heights at a really small uh, theater and real intimate gathering. And um, so I like that. I, I like that they're doing that. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, well, Blue ahead, Beatles, Blue Beatles street street game was not due to the geniuses at Disney. Those idiots right. wouldn't know a fucking Latino hit if it, if it was a put put in front of their. In fact, it was put in front of their uh, their their desk several times. Encanto, uh, Flaming Hot, and uh, uh, the Sound of Freedom, which they bought five years ago and they put on the shelf. Uh, thank God these guys uh, bought it back, and it's the it beat out Indiana Jones uh, on the on Fourth of July. Incredible film, Mexican I mean, and that's, that's uh, Mexican thing, producers though. and directors and writers. And that's the thing; it's not just the movie being Latino, you know, this or that. Like a lot of like Netflix is is horrific at marketing to our audience. They don't know our audience, and that's that's the big problem. It's not necessarily the movie. It's how they market it. You know, when In the Heights came out and they called it a Latinx film and everybody is going to go see it that's Latino. No, it wasn't. It was not. It was a film that was very specific to a very uh, specific part of the country. And the people that went to see that movie were people who love musicals. It wasn't necessarily a Latinx film. It was for people who love musicals. They're the ones yeah. that showed up for that. Well, film. it should have been marketed to people who love music. It should have been in every musical Absolutely. theater oh, yeah. department across, exactly. across the country. But absolutely. that shows you how, how much. Absolutely. So that's, really my, my, that's my point. They tried to market it to places where it just wasn't going to do well. And then they blame us for not supporting. But it's not really for us, you know, and then the stuff that is for us, they don't know how to get it to us. So it's a combination of things. But to me, the Hollywood's biggest problem with, with our audience is they don't know how to market to us. But what we have now more than ever are people like Luis and Sophia 
more and more podcasts, more and more uh, avenues for not only you guys and creators to, to come on, but also for us to raise hell when when these mm-hmm. when the, when Hollywood is doing shit wrong. Absolutely. No, and that's something I've always respected about both of you guys is you guys do um, speak out. You're not afraid. And like with Rosa's not Rosa gives her, her honest opinion on, on films. She's probably one of the few that does it. And you can read people who are just they're put in a position to review a film to give it a good review. Um, you know, so I think in, integrity means still means something um, as as corny as I may sound. That's just how I, I am. But I think we have to be honest with with. Uh, with our audience and um, you know, that that doesn't happen as much, but I'm, I'm grateful for all of you uh, and your support. I want to thank you again. I know you have to go, man, but I, Mm -hmm. but I do appreciate um, everybody, everybody go on Tubi, watch Marigold, the Matador, um, watch uh, the rest of his films, either on Cine Latino or multiple places. Just look up, you know, go on your movie thing and search for movies by Kenneth Castillo and they will pop up on Amazon, on Tubi, mm-hmm. etc. Uh, you can also go on Kenneth's website, which is kennethcastillofilm.com. My everything is there. My and then a little intro for my book is in there, which hopefully will be out before the end of the year. Yes. Um, all of you, all of you will be getting a copy. As I soon expect as that a copy. Out, yes. so. <laughs> yeah, I'll, then, buy uh, I'll buy one. At, at, Cholo, <laughs> at Cholo Chaplin as well uh, uh to follow him and like i said man uh if you guys are shooting you know you need, you need a second unit director i got you sofia i'll stand in the background we got you uh and then uh rosa will be honest in her review and Polly will be <laughs> honest in his out of the theater review as well <laughs> but it'll be all love and all support uh here at me the show for you kenneth mm-hmm. man i appreciate you stopping by Thanks for having me. You guys have a wonderful week, a weekend, and um, you know, keep pushing and keep uh, keep supporting. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you. I'll see you next week. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. You will see me next week. Yeah, man. Ciao. Bye. Ciao, Bella. Ciao, Bella. And then he does set up a screening at Chicano Cart, man. You know what? That's a great idea. I'm getting more. I'm getting more intertwined with some alternate locations here in San Diego because. 2AM Burrito is going to be doing a retrospective when we do fundraising for our next film, which, you know, I love podcasting. I love chatting with people, but at my core, I'm a filmmaker. So that's why I went from having two podcasts to just one, because I am writing a script currently uh, for our next feature film. So we will be doing some screenings. We'll be doing some fundraising events. Hopefully some of the people that we've promoted and stuff that have been on the show will be able to help us get the word out there when we do get our crowdfunding on. We're going to have Nelson and Fanny from Avenida Productions on to talk about their crowdfunding sites on a new day. We're going to have A. Martinez on a new, uh, new, our episode with uh, Chris Estrada is coming out soon. So mm-hmm. keep up with me, gente. Um, keep up with at Sofia Carr, me at Big Chief Burrito for all that. And obviously Rosa and Polly the Latino Slant. Uh, Rosa with her Wicked Reviews. Polly yeah. <laughs> with his right of center uh, take on the world of news and Wait, hold politics. On. <laughs> and then, uh, we'll, uh, hold on, we'll, hold on, we'll, hold on, we'll hold on, homie. Because hold on, homie, because you just mislabeled me <laughs> to your audience. Here we go. I'm an independent thinker. It gives me the right to to give my honest opinion uh, issue by issue. I don't follow the party line of the left. I don't follow pop. Definitely don't follow the party line of the of the right. Uh, I, I take them as I see them. So, so yeah, but yeah, Luis, come on, man. No, I, I, I'm just, uh, 
I'm half giving you shit, but I do feel that that um, how should I put this? I, I feel like like you 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 bill yourself as as center center, right? In terms of like somebody that's going to take issue by issue, but I do feel that you that you do lean slightly right of center, and your audience is definitely right of center. So I think even though you are an independent person because of your position and, and where you, what your show covers, I think that that it does slant a little bit right of center, but let me just pre-reference it this. Um, we, we slant way left of center. So I think that, that, that in order so for So when us you come exist, on to my show, I, I don't say, oh, and here's the, the way left of oh, center. Oh, no, but, you're, but, you're, but your audience <laughs> I'm very knows. Not, I'm very nice to you guys. Uh, your audience I, knows. I your, audience, your audience knows, though. And, I, and you know what? Like I, like I told you, like when you're like, hey, come on and debate some stuff, you can feed, you can feed me as red meat to your audience anytime you want. Because I can take Yeah, he's then I have you know to what do I'm it. saying. No, because no, well, like I said, <laughs> I appreciate that, Luis. The the thing is that what, what I'm what I'm all about is uh you know, with with audiences, I don't like attacking audiences. Sure. I, I think there's 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 a there's a, there's a huge table that we can all come and and and, and talk about it. If if my audience happens to be right of center, I have no power over that. I just really don't feed them like, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, I expose, I expose them and spotlight the Latino culture for the most part. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I do, I don't really do, a, I, uh, I'd say of the hundred percent of, of what I cover, maybe 20 to 30% falls in the political social issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, I don't, we, we can go, I, I don't want to, you know, I respect no, no, you guys. No, I, was, I was giving you, I was giving you a, a hard time, but I do, but I'm, but I, but I, but I'm always going to be honest. I'm not going to say anything that I wouldn't say to you directly. Is that's kind of how I feel about about where your audience lives and where, and and I would never insult them. I value everybody's right, but I, but at the same time, if you invite me on, and 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 there's going to be an interaction, then we're just going to go at it at some point, and I'm a hundred percent okay with it. I've changed my mind about subjects and stuff like that. It all happens. So it's all good. And you are always welcome with us to talk. And, and, and I love to, I love different perspective. We're not a monolith. Not all Latinos have to be rebels and this, there's conservative Latinos, there's center center Latinos, there's leftist Latinos, there's all kinds of people. So and I'm independent not, I'm, thinkers. Yeah. Independent. Whether you, whether you're not, you're, you know what I mean? It's all, it's all, it's all. I know, this, this, Sophia, did you feel welcome when you were hanging out with us? Yeah, yeah, I felt welcome. All right. Yeah. See now, now, uh, now, Luis gave me a complex, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the only yeah the the only thing is your your audience is very clearly more on the right side. So I did you know walk say things carefully, whereas here I just fucking go off over there. I was like, careful, care. I'm gonna talk carefully here. Gentle. You know, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. And sometimes you 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 don't need to do that. You know, you you know, I get it, I get it. Yeah, yeah we good. also we also get some like right wing viewers once in a while here, and same thing. It just you know it's just it's a like conversation. Whatever. Oh yeah, somebody will come on and they'll just be like, "Fucking Biden sucks," and we're like, "Yeah, he's a fucking yeah, worst. Fucking yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. a worst." And they're like, "Oh yeah, all right, cool, excellent, excellent." Anyway, <laughs> on to on to bigger and better things. Like I said, you guys, uh, we got into some no namas ways, and we got a couple of other things. You guys are welcome to stick around as long as you want. But let's talk a little bit about cocaine in the White House. Because, uh, because, because cocaine was found in the White House, which sparked the Secret Service to launch an investigation. Number one, if you see some cocaine, why would you even, why would you, why, why would you go to HR in the White House? Like, clean that shit up, moving along. I mean, have you, did you not watch any shows about politics? I mean, obviously, 
you know, uh, President Biden was not present at the time when it was discovered, but they found cocaine in like a library or some office. Uh, is anybody surprised? No. Sophia Rosa? It's a big, ha- it's a big house. Um, before before we, 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 we get going, I'm going to bounce. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, no, I'm not going to get into politics. Um, but oh, you know fair, what? Fair. Uh, yeah, I'm the peace and love kind of gal over here. I love everybody and um, and I respect everyone independently of their ideologies and philosophies and all that good stuff. So, yes. yes. Thank you guys for having me on. This was fun. This was a blast. We'll see how Blue Beetle does. I'm going to pay more uh, closer attention to it after Barbie um, comes out because yeah. if it were to get a lot more marketing now, um, it would definitely easily be drowned by what's going on with Barbie. So after the 21st of July, um, I'm going to be play- paying more close attention to that and then we'll mm. see what happened at Comic-Con. So Definitely. Yes. Okay. All right. We'll check in with you next week. Uh, All right. So thank you for stopping by. Thank, thank you, Polly, Luis, Sofia. Love y'all. Love, Love you, Rosa. Bye. Have a good night. Good night. All right, Sofia. Uh, Dizzy says that was probably there since Kennedy. Yeah, or since. So I'm like, I'm not surprised. That's. Oh, this video was just a roller coaster in North Carolina. That was like somebody was watching a roller coaster in North Carolina, and they're like, "Bro, the fucking roller coaster, the fucking roller coaster, bro, is fucking just." Broken. It actually broke. We what happened? Yeah, it was oh. gone. Look at it. Can you see it? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's cracking. Now, what does this have to do with cocaine? Oh, I, I, was just looking, I was just looking at the tabs. Uh, sorry, sorry. I was, I was, I was, I was clearing my tabs as we were doing this. Sorry. I was like, are we like, we're gonna see someone do a do a line and jump on a roller coaster? On the roller coaster. That would be probably very impressive, honestly. All right. So, especially uh, 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 a cook at the White House. Uh, pause it. Are you surprised? Not surprised at all. No, not in the slightest. I'm surprised that they got caught. I, I have, I have, if anything, more questions. Who? Why? Where? Who? Who? Was it a staffer? Was it like, you know, hello? Hola. Like Hi, Listen, the, the 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 issue that I hate the issue that I uh, this is the reason why it seems very weird to me um, is because I've done cocaine in the past and um, I oh, never had any leftover. <gasps> so the fact that there was leftover cocaine. <laughs> Seems like a weird concept to me because you do cocaine until you're out of cocaine. Wait, did you know say- you, you don't leave a few lines on a bookshelf what? somewhere and then come no, back to it later. For yourself. Unless on. you're like, unless you're like, like, like tweaking, like, like you're chipping during the day, maybe, and you just needed to get you through the day. But if you're like, I'm doing cocaine tonight, you're doing that shit until Ooh. you're done. Wait, uh, Courtney has a good point. That's true. Yeah. They do have cameras all over the White House. What? I, maybe it was just planted. I'm just saying. Holly, how do you feel about this? My thing is that you know white people they don't they leave shit behind white shit behind. <laughs> you know they don't give us you know these people yeah, are very helpful. <laughs> these people are very elitist, very wealthy. You know that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, you know yeah. they're probably thinking like you know the the help's gonna gonna clean it up. Yeah. Um. No, I'm not surprised. Yeah. No. If anything, I'm more surprised that I got out. Like. Someone yeah, had an agenda, and I don't know why, but okay, I'm all here for it. Like I'm saying, there's, I've, I've very rarely seen is that yeah, there was like yeah, you would think that that they would run with it, but it's like yeah, it's they, not. Yeah, it's we've gone so far that that's not even like at all like 
uh, and you know uh, the people that would attack the white house about there being cocaine in the white house don't think it'll trend as hard as the other shit that they attacked this would have been scandalous in like the 70s 80s like what's worse (laughs) that biden is like can't remember two words back to back that he trips over everything that he's probably senile and they're propping him up with drugs every day or that he might have busted a rail or somebody would have busted a rail no it makes much more sense to attack him for being a senile old fuck than it does for anything else right well i mean i saw some videos where or you know his mijo was there you know acting all kind of like oh yeah he came over for like fourth of july yeah he was acting all googly eyes and you know like hey man what's going on like you could see the, the the video you're like Oh, Hunter, mijo, no. Listen, I would love to see Hunter and Don Jr. like and seeing who who could inhale more fucking white powders. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would wow. be just like a, a dope off. Um, all right, so real great. <laughs> yeah, it's something. What are they distracting us from? All right, uh, a couple of other things. Uh, we have a few more tabs, or I have some no nomas ways. You want to help us give out some? No, I would. Lou, Lou, I sent you a message. Check it. Okay. Messenger. No, no, Luna. <laughs> Right, but what well, did he ask Polly right now? No, I asked Polly if he wanted to uh if he wanted to help us do some on Nami's ways. Oh, uh, okay. What whatever if, you want. I mean, I'm I'm on your time here. All right, cool. Yeah, I sent out the still... message. Uh look, it's Courtney's here. She's one of uh the members of the slant. She's a great hey. lady. Ah, Courtney, in, uh, thank you for joining us. She's in Pennsylvania, I believe. Hey, are you back in Pennsylvania, girl? What are they trying to uh, right, really me... cool lady? Anyways. Let me let me move some of these topics to our next week because the way we work is I have a fucking 30, 40 tabs of news that I find during the week and then I fixed on. All right. Yeah, we'll just do, relevant we'll, to this week. Like we'll do we'll, there's one we'll do one or two new nomads and a couple more stories and then we'll get out of here. Uh Sounds we'll good. see if we can get reactions here. Uh as everybody. Thank you see for you, stopping Ethan. by, Ethan. Love you, Thank man. Thank you. Let's kick it during Comic Con. Um, oh, you're outside Denver. Denver. I love Denver. I can't keep up. Okay. Did you move so or why are you out there? She w- when I first met her, she was in Denver, I believe. Then she moved back to Pennsylvania. And I think she's back. Now she's now. back to Denver. Oh, yeah. Okay. How's yeah, the altitude she, treating you, Courtney? Yeah. I th- that was serious when I went. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right. Uh, and the reason why I could be here tonight is uh, my lady is uh, house sitting uh, another part of town. So it's just, I'm here by myself. So I'm like, yeah, come Aww. on. You're like, I got time. I got Aww. time. Time is on your side, Polly. Who she's how? Who she house sitting for? Family? Doggy, doggy client. Oh, that's cute. We have we have a dog. We have a little doggy business. Ooh, do you tell? Yeah. Do you want to pimp it out a little? Um, well, it's in the LA area. We 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 uh, dog board. You know, house yeah. you know house board, day camp, all that all that fun stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Walks. Nice, nice. Do you yeah. do you do uh training as well? That's the one thing we don't do. It's hard. Like, it's, it's that's a hard part. But yeah. we have two little ones, so it's like you know they have a meet and greet, and it's like if our if our dogs like like that dog, okay, we can we can have you over. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, so, I have four dogs in my house at the moment. Three are mine, and then I have a seven-month-old Belgian Malinois who is a fucking. They get they they're called maligators for a fucking reason wow. because their mouth is always running, and even when they're like saying hi to you, like they're nibbling. And wow, uh, and I'm trying to train it every day, and they are they are smart as a no wonder they 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 get used for cops nowadays because they are fucking athletic. They they can jump over anything. 
Mm -hmm. and they're smart as fuck, but they're also super aggressive. So Mm -hmm. it's been an experience because right now when they all went to fucking bark at something, I guess the neighbors had just casually walked onto their yard next door and he was just not having any of it. He was like, oh my gosh. He was he was pissed. Yeah. So how did so, they get next door? What the hell? No, they don't get next door, but he just oh, okay. he he just hears everything. There's uh any home. any challenges with the fireworks? Yeah, I spoke about that uh earlier in the show. My two older dogs uh really are effective by fireworks, so I had to just stay here. I dosed them up on CB uh on CBD, put on some loud music and movies, and they still were like it's I think it's when the dogs uh have that issue. It's not even the sound as the smell of gunpowder that sometimes uh, sets them off as well. Um, So it is a a rough time. And the other part is uh, when Friday night football, high school football starts, because Hilltop is right here. There's a there's a high school right here. uh, Sophia's alma mater. Uh, And even they they have the the worst fucking football team in all of high school football in San Diego. But even, even when they lose, they set off fireworks at the end of the game. And so every Friday night during high school football season at, at eight o'clock, I have to be there for my boys because <laughs> so messed up. it's so fucked up. That they're gonna... All right. Um, we'll just knock out a couple of tabs here before we go. Uh, okay. I did want to get Sophia's take on this because you, okay. you're, you're a child of the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, oh girl, we need to have a whole segment for that. I was actually going to see like if, but I, I'm going to need like 30 minutes with this one. All right, can, but can we give Ooh. us? Can we give me a brief take? Colleen Ballinger, uh, she was accused of grooming. She was uh, what is it? Miranda <sighs> sings, right? I'm giving me thirty minutes, sir. Okay, all right, all right. Miranda sings, right? So she was a YouTuber. She did yes. a bunch of goofy so, stuff. So I, I can be the the YouTube uh, commentator here. Because can we play a part I of have... her? Can we play just a little part of her? Let me play a little part of her apology. Well, yeah, I, I don't mean, know who this is. I feel like we should give some context first because no one's gonna get it. All right, so. Sophia, so Colleen Ballinger, she is a OG YouTuber. YouTube started like what, you know, 15 years ago, something like that. So it's a very new platform. And when I was in like middle school, that's when we started seeing the like YouTubers starting to become a career. Uh, Colleen Ballinger is one of the first ones. She was very big for having this character called Miranda Sings. It's, you know, it's like a, it's a parody character. Okay. Um, and she got very, very big with kids as Miranda sings. And then her fame kind of translated to vlogging and Colleen Ballinger was just vlogging her life. I was a huge fan. This is actually what got me to unsubscribe. So I've been very deep into this drama. Um, but it was, it was a drama that started in, it's been going on her whole career behind the scenes, but it, it she got outed in 2020 by Adam McIntyre, which was one of the uh, children that she groomed. But he was being a little too cavalier about it. So he came out, he, I think, believe he was 17 at the time, but he started having conversations with her since he was like 12, 13, something like that. She was in her 30s. And um, what she would so do... Sophia, so let me just... Let me just... Because you're, you're you're giving a lot of context, so well, was, it's all necessary. No, no, I just want to I just want to kind of add to what you're doing. She's an OG YouTuber. Uh-huh. She had tons of young fans, and what she's and what she's accused of doing is being in these group messages with some of her fans that she claims she did because she wanted her fans to feel connected so to her. Right now, it's just accusations. No, it's there. No, so that was in 2020. Now, fast oh. forward to 2023, <laughs> receipts were found because. She's gotten she she not only groomed kids in a group chat, she got them to work for her for free, do free labor, and then also kind of 
um, weaponize them whenever someone would say something wrong about her. She would get like all these little kids to like go and like online harass them. She had her own army. Dox them. So, yeah, she had her whole so army. You say of groom, groom to be like her 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 puppets fans. pretty much yeah and now that they're all because now they're all now that they're all in their 20s they're starting to come out because it was like a huge amount of them and they were like 12 13 14 a few of them worked for her for free like actually did a lot of labor stuff like that where it's like mm, a lot of manipulation was had and mm. now receipts came out and so she looks like actually her true colors have shown. She's very manipulative. She's a narcissist. She's absolutely batshit crazy. And her apology response to all of that, mind you, there is not alleged. There are receipts. She responded by going dark. And then after like four weeks of going dark, she releases this video. Okay. Which is supposed to be an apology. My team has strongly advised me to not say what I want to say. I recently realized that they never said that I couldn't sing. So this is just the beginning of her video, but she gets accused of grooming. She they, they come out with receipts of her uh, talking with these kids that are underage in these group chats, uh, uh-huh. answering questions about sex. She sends somebody her underwear. There's videos of oh. her on her stage plays uh, where she's getting kids to reach down her pants. And she's she's doing she was even on comedians getting coffee in cars, the Jerry Seinfeld show. She was on that show as Miranda Sings. She stayed in character with Jerry Seinfeld the whole show. It's one of the worst episodes of that series because uh, because it's she's very unfunny. Um, but she gets accused and she drops like an eight minute video where she's apologizing and talking about facts the entire time she's on her fucking ukulele. Yeah. Well, she's also like, the song is very like, woe is me. I didn't do anything. You guys are crazy and I'm a victim. And it's like, dude, you not only, this isn't alleged anymore. Like, cause she did that in 2020. Again, Adam McIntyre came out with the allegations, but he was very respectful in not showing Mm -hmm. proof. And mm-hmm. so then he went, that was three years ago. He got attacked for three years by her fans. She made an apology video, mm-hmm. which I was stupid enough to fall for. And again, there was no proof against all of this. So there was nothing to, pr- to prove like how actually manipulative she was. So she so, got away with it for another three years until now, like they're finally screenshots are coming so out. So you were a fan? Yeah, I've and been you- watching her since middle school. So you were part but of this groom, groomed nation of fans. I could have been the level, fan. Yeah, 100%. I'm a little on the older side because these kids, again, they like were 13, now are like 20. And 21. you got an, an apology letter, Algo, or something like that? I wish. I fucking deserve it for my waste of time. <laughs> no, no. But as someone who did watch her vlogs, like very like consistently, I will say I knew she was a narcissist. Like she does have narcissistic tendencies, but never did I think she would be a groomer who like actually weaponized and manipulated kids. Well, I don't know anything about the history. I mean, what you just told me this first time, but just seeing this video guys, it's a very strange behavior in this video and everything from the eye, from the, from the eyes moving to the fact that she's singing and having this ukulele, uh, it's not an apology. And that's no, just, uh, it's I, there's there's something there that there's probably a wire that's disconnected. So she's incapable of being honest. There are you know, so yeah, I mean, 
Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, absolutely. That's what I, I mean, got and, from that. And that was only 20, the first 20 seconds. It's a 10 minute video oh, no. of her I, singing. I, you yeah. know what? I could, I, you know what? It was 22 seconds of video. I was like, was after 10 seconds, like, I don't need to say anymore. No, it's, it was, it's infuriating because yeah. if she, if this was a guy doing it and I'm no men's rights activist, defender, whatever person, but if it was a dude who did this, just talk to one 12 year old, like that's inappropriate enough. This, this woman would be in jail. Like the fact that she got away with it for so long, like has so much proof against her and she has the gall to respond by singing a song. Like these are serious allegations. It's not like an apology video of, Oh, I messed up like a normal YouTuber. There's a, there's a, there's a whole way of of apologizing. There's a cycle to like making a mistake and apologizing on YouTube. Mm -hmm. This is too far. This is like illegal shit. You actually did illegal stuff. And then more has come out, but we can talk about it next week, but more illegal activity came out. Yeah, the song ago. bumps. The song bumps. If you watch "Toxic Manipulation mm-hmm. Station," it's a whole thing. It's Whoa. a vibe. It's kind of been in my brain. So like, <laughs> it is very rare, but it it is very rare. But you know, this is this is a woman you know who has that power and uh, has wielded it like like that over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you you you're right to say that, Sophia. It's like if if, if this was a man, he'd be you know hung out to dry by now. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just the you know, that's again, it's kind of a rare thing. Rightfully you don't see this so, way. but it should also go, you know, extend to to her. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's yeah. A, that's a weird subject, dude. It's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a carryover from our generation and like, you know, you remember the uh there was that South Park episode where it was like uh it was the kid in high school that was being abused or that was having a sexual relationship with like a 35 year old hot ass teacher and the police were like, nice. Mm-hmm. You know, there it was just, it's just a continuation of that thing that, that when it's a guy, it's happy, you know, you're happy to be there, but if it's a girl, it's worse. Right. It's, it's, it's always, mm-hmm. it's always that thing, you know, like for boys, it, they could get a teacher that could do something new when they were 14. And it's like, Oh man, I wish it was me. You like, know, when so I was 14 cool. and my hot ass teacher. And it's like, yeah, and it's mean, like, no, they were groomed and abused. It was, yeah. It was, it's, yeah. It's, Courtney's for sure right yeah she she doesn't at the end of the day she's a narcissist and doesn't think she did anything wrong she feels like the victim in all of this and you know what she's getting what she deserves she's getting properly I don't even want to say cancelled because it's so overused but her career is over as far as the internet is you know she's losing sponsorships as she should and I'm excited to see how this ends I guess Sophia so you want to say you want to say no numbers way right we have, uh, we have a few questions, but you want to save it? If yeah, because it, it, it might go long at this point. How many do we have? We have one, maybe serious one, and a couple of funny ones. So we can just do one question. One funny it. one, yeah. Let's do one short funny one, uh, and then the rest we can leave. No, well, I did want to bring that up because I know. So let me just. So while I, yes, I was going to talk to you because yes, I want, I, but I want to deep dive into it because there's okay. actually more. Trisha Paytas came out. Uh, yesterday with the new video and I was like oh my god more shit is coming out and I thought it was over yeah it's just it's like the gift that keeps on giving all right so I have two last things that I would like to cover we can pick I'll move one to the other one one of them is the um one of them is the legacy versus uh thing on it uh we can do that or we could do should women have the right to vote (laughs) okay what should they take the right to vote away from women (laughs) let's do the other one we're here no, I, I think they're Polly, fucking with us. Uh, Polly, are, are you are, we, are you aware of uh, pearly things? The oh, the, just the pearly things. 
Thanks. Wait, can, we, can we deep dive on all these problematic YouTubers? Man, no, I'm not. I'm, no, okay. no. Just pearly thing. Pearly things is a pick me girl. She's uh, she's uh, she's 26, and she says that a woman's value declines after 25, or something like that. That you have to get married younger. She's basically an anti-feminist woman, uh, and she has a video that's literally called women should not vote reasons why no. i think we should repeal the 19th amendment oh i thought we were going to no nama's way I was no like, no no i said i had one more that? i wanted to do one he, more he one last story one serious one i did funny. one more story before we do the thing oh, okay. so I was like, oh okay okay so we'll, we'll a good say story man what's with these weird ass stories <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right Ken. you know what's I... funny is the youtube stories are like my bread and butter so i was like i could do a three-hour powerpoint on this you one. should you you guys would probably like rake in the the subscribers oh yeah she's getting a like, lot of views cr- right now crazy yeah, we talk need, we need yeah. to do more of that yeah. all right cool so we'll do one anonymous way all right the last thing that i had that was uh sort of newsworthy this week we'll deep dive into scotus and the gay stuff next week yeah uh but and then the student stuff but let's talk for a little bit about uh, affirmative action okay <laughs> california uh banned affirmative action several years ago um it since then, the numbers are like mm-hmm. once the one I think this was in the 90s, right? When affirmative action got stopped in, in California. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the number of black and Latino uh, students in, in state universities either dropped or stayed constant. Um, after the they on, got rid of it, after, after they got rid after they got rid of it. Okay. Uh, the study on Harvard finds that 43 percent of white students are legacy. So out of all the students in Harvard, 43 percent are legacy, meaning mm-hmm. that. If your daddy donated the building, if your daddy was the captain of the row team, et cetera, et cetera, they take that into account the same way affirmative action might give extra weight to where you're from or if you grew up in the hood or if you grew up in, in poor, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so Supreme Court basically said um, they're eliminating affirmative action for as a as a right for education. Legacies are still OK and they're still OK with affirmative action for the military. Mm. surprise surprise so if you want to if you want to grab a gun and kill or die for the country we'll we'll take the fact that you're latino into account or or black into account but if you want to go to harvard fuck off um okay. the well backlash to this continues uh, everybody's favorite demon stephen lee stephen miller um has threatened uh schools so mr stephen miller has basically talked to law schools and said look I'm super fucking racist and I hate all people of color. So if you, if I find out that you are taking into account somebody's race, when you bring them into your law school, I'm going to be super pissed. Okay. So this is already having repercussions. So, um, you know, just Sophia, what are your thoughts on this starting off and, and, and and as being somebody who recently, you know, got your master's out of California school and stuff like that. What are your, what are your thoughts overall? Yeah. A lot of people's, you know, and I, and and, and obviously this is a not to make this a right or left thing, but this is obviously part of the the plan to sort of make America great again, roll things back to when they think it was good in the fifties, where you could get into school because of your daddy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you know um, some people say, well, we're in, we're post racism. This is now a full on meritocracy. Candace Owen had the garbage ass take that said, well, if white people want to be more represented into the NBA, they need to have a better jump shot or jump harder. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's funny. I like that. Uh, that is funny though. I mean, uh, so uh, where do you, where do you land on this? Sophia, Polly, uh, either one of you guys can go first. Um, go to me. 
Oh, well, I just, I'm just hellscape exhausts me every week just because I'm like, it's similar. I mean, it's different, but it's similar to the SCOTUS rejecting or turning down the student loan forgiveness in the sense that like, man, just you can't catch a break, you know, like the fact that they would be okay with bribery for thee, but not for me. Right. I'm not saying, listen, I don't know where I stand on affirmative action of like people being forced to fill a quota. I don't, I don't know that I fully 100% agree. I do think that minorities need a chance and they need a push. I, I'm, you know, I'm not this, I'm not a researcher. I don't know what the statistics are on all of that, but I do think that it is unfair to sue and to put so much attention on one thing because it has to do with race, but totally sleep on the fact that like, you can, your dad can buy a building and you get in, you know, nepotism, like athletes. Yeah. Like even, even military, like, honestly, just like the fact that so many people get into good colleges because of their circumstances and then other people can't because why, why people are offended. I don't know. It's frustrating. I, I, my thoughts on, uh, on this are that, you know, we're not post-racism yet. I feel yeah. like in a perfect world, you could say that we're in a meritocracy and, and that the best students should account for the, the student body. But they specifically went out of their way to say affirmative action, bad legacy mm-hmm. admission. Good. OK. Yeah, and exactly. I'm like, at least at least be consistent. I, so, you know, so they're talking out of both sides of their ass. So yeah. it's it's been very clear to me that all these SCOTUS decisions are politicized. And and uh, then there's the other side of the coin where they're screaming at people like me and you who are Bernie supporters or Bernie or bus people. And they're basically saying, see, this is why everybody had to hold their nose and vote for Hillary, because blah, blah, blah. Three judges got appointed. Fuck off. Um, there's no reason to vote for somebody if they're horrible, unless they tell you what they're going to do. And, they, and and the DNC never does that. So yeah, fuck like them Corey. and their fucking ugly asses. Uh, but it's it but seems you guys are like- still voting Democrat, even though they fucked over your boy. I don't. I mean, it's it. They they, they, they screwed over they Bernie. Fucked bro. over Bernie so. Oh, yeah, I mean, that was did. illegal what they did. The oh, DNC is the most corrupt yes. organization on so, earth. Yeah. Um. So okay. So cor- help me out here, because wasn't this decision in regards to to an Asian American student, right? Right, and he felt discriminated against because he had done everything that. Harvard uh, wants in a student, right? The great grades, the extracurricular, the, you know, blah, 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 right? You know, um, but there is a personality test that they have that basically was saying that you, you, you don't have the personality that a Latino or a Black has. And so that's, so we're not taking you. We're going to take the, 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 the black or Latino student, maybe they don't have, they didn't get the, you know, the great grades and the great, you know, accolades that you did Asian student, but we like them better because they have better personality, the personality. If that's the case, I don't like that. Right. So I kind of with, I'm kind of with homeboy. Now here's the problem. We've been behind the eight ball. And when it comes to education, uh, way before, going to college i mean by the time we're thinking about going to college we're already lost the people who we want to save or or have been lost for a long time so i i i think you know i hey listen i got in i got in with affirmative action 
I paid my money. I paid, I paid my, uh, you, know, my, my because of affirmative action. you know, I know. I'm just telling my experience. Oh, right? Yeah. yeah. Saying, the um, guy who voted against it got in because of affirmative action. Sure. Sure. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, all, you know, most issues are complex and uh, slightly hypocritical. Right. So it's just like, we got to somewhere there's, there's the truth. There's, there's something there that can be, that can be worked on. Um, for me, I would love the attention, the money, the resources, a new way of met, uh, metrics, a new way of studying things to benefit the young students when we, let's get them young as far as being qualified and ready and, and ready for this world, whether it's to go to university or it's to go out in the workforce. We're not equipping our rasa. We're not equipping our, you know, uh, whatever term you want to call, right? Mm-hmm. Legacy is bullshit. That's gross, right? I, I, I have no problem with that. I'm totally with you, Luis. Yeah. Um, I do find that, though, that we're we're nepotistic by nature. So <clears throat> that's part of the hypocrisy, right? We're gonna we're gonna help our a uh, homeboy out. Try to get in that film. Try to get it, you know, in that casting. Get that job. Oh yeah, man. You know, you know, come and edit my shit. You know, yeah. Okay, they, you know, they've so, made yeah, that explicitly clear. They've made that explicitly clear that nepotism is okay. And I think Keith and brought this up earlier today that we people of color sometimes, even though we're used to knowing a guy or being there, sometimes we don't necessarily embrace nepotism, or we feel like we have to jump the extra hoop. But I think it's time to because they the the Supreme Court has clearly said nepotism and cronyism and mm. is is completely legal. Because that's they they specifically said that's still okay. So fi- call that uncle that you know uh, and mm-hmm. the guy who knows the guy and get your shit in there. Because like 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 somebody just said in the comp- comments, they're trying to roll back the stuff that's always kept them ahead. Which is uh, there was this big article also about like what special edu- like um, there was this there was this article that came out after the rulings um and the gist of it was that a lot of the things like you said Polly like for example like advanced student classes uh that they would have black people and brown people that mm. aced the test and got put into the advanced class okay and none of the white kids in that class had to take that test they were just because their parents said hey i want my kid put in advance and at school levels, at the basic school levels, you get put in stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And we have to run, jump through harder and harder hoops to get into that. And they were making these kids take tests and take other tests and be like, how did you cheat? And they're like, no. And it was just this whole thing about how a lot of people have gone through this, where they had to work hard to get into AP classes, advanced classes. And a lot of people didn't have to because of legacy or choices. So all this shit is doing is rolling back opportunities and they want to get it back to where it was before, where it was cronyism and the people who've mm-hmm. always been there and the people who has always been in charge that get the leg up, that get the jobs and get the stuff like that. So um, hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so, yeah, so that's my take on that. Uh, <laughs> all right, we're wrapping things up here. We're just going to do one on Namas way and we're getting out of here. But I want to thank Polly for coming on. I want to thank Rosa for coming on. I want to thank yes. Kenny for coming on. I want to thank everybody that joined us. Thanks to Polly in the chat. I appreciate you guys coming on and joining us during the mm-hmm. chat. Make sure that you guys are hitting that subscribe button so that you can check us out once in a while when, you know, Polly's not doing his thing. 
and, and come <laughs> check us out. You know, we know you're lifetime slanders, but we appreciate you guys taking the time to come <laughs> on by. Uh, you know, so let's do no namas. Let's do let's do a quick no namas way before we get out of here. Let's see what Polly thinks. All right. Now it's time for no namas way. No namas way. No namas. <laughs> right. This one's coming straight from Sophia's kickball team. But oh my god, what's yeah, what? Wait, no, no, no. If it's gonna be a direct attack, then I rather no, it's, not. No, it's no, it's it's not. It's just a random thing. Uh, <laughs> I know. Sophia's like, uh, I don't like this. Uh, I think there are multiple people on my kickball team who might kiss. That was that's that wasn't even a question. So, <laughs> Sophia's so in a lesbian kickball league, and apparently oh, shenan- yeah? shenanigans yeah. are afoot. <laughs> oh man, that's not a question. I'm, I mean, I, yes, I'm, it was a statement. It was a statement. All right, it's well, a statement. There, we already. So you're very open. Be... You're very open about your. About yes. Your... Oh yeah, one hundred. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I never. I've never asked you. I, I really don't care. I, mean, I told I, you last time. What do you mean when I was guesting? Remember, yeah. I told you I was by. Oh, you're by. You yeah. know what? I'm also old, so I forget shit. <laughs> yeah, he was. I'm proud. <laughs> This was because we were doing the La, La Firma Jaina, and I oh, was like, that's right. I was yes. like, sis, yeah. I'm in on this. Okay, 100%. so you 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 say you you're bisexual. Uh huh. Okay, gotcha. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Polly so, posted a picture of uh of yeah the uh, feeder behinders are the a lot of fun. Uh, no, oh, no, yeah. you posted a picture of uh of what's her face in the Spider Man outfit. Uh, oh yeah, um, <laughs> was it? Yeah, yeah, I, must, I yeah. might have I might have screenshotted that and done bad things to myself. <laughs> oh, I knew I, ooh, I knew. that might be my new phone screensaver. I'm gonna say I got a couple of new one. I got a couple of new memes are hilarious. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> all right, my god, respond, Sophia. Uh, yeah, yes, yes. We already all agreed. If we lose, because we we are the losers, we are the underdogs. If we continue to lose, we're gonna have a consolation orgy. I mean, there you go. Hey, what's more up? than kiss, please? Whoa. Kickball team. Molly, <laughs> it's it's let's say it's it, it's a script that writes itself for Skinamax. Yeah, all right, hello. all right. We have uh, all right. Let's knock a couple out of these out. Okay, um, we'll do one funny one and then this one serious one. My loser abusive ex is just out living her life. Karma isn't happening, and I'm bitter. How mm. can I get her back without doing anything illegal <laughs> or getting caught? And will you help me? Fuck. No, no, Jesus. No. Um, that depends on the exes and what the crimes are. Uh, oh man, that's hard. Isn't that so hard when you see bad people just living a good life? <sighs> I mean, what was hard was listening to what you said. I mean. Get some self-respect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, listen, you know? the best revenge is a life well lived. And apparently she is living her, she is having revenge on you by yeah. living her life well. Live, um, live the best life you can Yeah, and maybe slash her tires. I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> Who said that? Who said that? <laughs> Look, you have to pretend that White you're so... You have to pretend <laughs> you have to pretend every day that you're so over it that you don't give a fuck until one of the until one day you believe it and you stop mm-hmm. and you stop actually caring about it. You have to fake the funk every day and be like, fuck her, she's out of my life. I'm just gonna do mm-hmm. my thing and focus on doing you and lie to yourself, lie to yourself, lie to yourself until one day you won't be lying to yourself anymore and you, and you'll be over it. But yeah. but but if you want advice and we always give practical advice, um I don't know, man. I would say, fuck. What do you do? Um, <laughs> no, that is the advice. There's nothing that's you can do. That's the advice. No other, there is no other The other advice. advice is like, get her location, find out where she is, slash her tires, break her windows. I don't know. 
Look, get her, get her in a cancel, get her in a cancelable situation. You know, you know, just have just, put cocaine just, in her house. Yeah, put her, know. put her in a weird situation. Man. My advice is, if you're seriously thinking about trying to get this person back in your life, you need to seek professional help. Yeah. You really do. Yeah, don't. Yeah. I mean, that's just not healthy. That is yeah. not spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy. Damn, Dizzy. Oh, Dizzy's funny. Yeah. yeah. Tires and yeah, yeah, I've heard it. Oh, country's, country Underwood? songs are the best. <laughs> what is it? What is the song that they sing every time at karaoke before oh, he cheats? Oh, Carrie Underwood yeah. before he cheats. Yeah. yeah, just do I all of that. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, basically. Solid advice, Carrie Underwood. Yeah, I, got, um, I have a cowboy hat around here. Get that going. Listen, like I said, fake it till you make it and then go there. Other, you know, other than that, just call her job and just be like, uh, and you know what her job yeah. function is and be like, who handles that? And then when they say, oh, it's blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, God. And then they're like, what? And they're like, oh, sorry. I just had Ruin a Ruin her on Yelp review. Now. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, moving my God. On. The cowboy hat is on. Yes. Moving on. Moving on. Because I'm a cowboy. Yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> on a real horse. All right. All right. One more here. One more here while we're in a row. These All are right. fun. I like these little ones. Not the weirdo YouTube stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, much love. Here's no a, much love, it's Chicos. Niche. Keep up the great work. Saludos. That's a Tucson, Arizona. Hey, thanks for listening from Tucson. We love you. Thanks for checking Tucson. us out. Tucson. Tucson. Yeah. Um, all right. This one is one last one here. Okay. Uh, I'm writing in because I need uh, some unprofessional advice. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Here's the rundown. My girlfriend's birthday is coming up this month. We've been official for about 10 months, almost a year now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, checks out yeah uh and we're celebrating our her birthday together she thinks it's a perfect opportunity for me to finally meet her family mm. Mm. they do not know about her our relationship so we will be announcing it to them okay. so she said on having a dinner at her apartment with her parents two siblings and i i've only had one past serious relationship to the point of meeting my significant other's parents mm-hmm. that one went well enough but i remember being young and nervous and not knowing what to say i'm afraid of well i will revert back to this form and give them a bad first impression for some context, thank you. Her parents are pretty old-fashioned religious Mexican, and they love to bust balls. How can Fun. I mentally prepare any okay. tips on how to win them over? What questions should I be ready for? I really do think she's one and don't want to blow it. Aww. Men go first. Me? Yeah. Um. Okay, so 10 months. Ten months is is a, is a good time because you have uh, been through a, a few seasons uh, yeah. with that person, and uh, this is your first time to um, meet the parents. That's good. That's I, I like that. I like that you you know you haven't rushed in. It doesn't sound like you've been rushing the relationship. That's important. And uh, I, I th- you know what? It's the first time, right? Yeah. Obviously, you don't want to lie. <laughs> uh, finally, after ten months, well, you know, I, I, it takes I think time. That's, I think that's pretty good, Dizzy. Especially too, depending on when they started dating. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know the holidays are like from November to January, like are that's like a true. blip. So you know, you got to imagine they <laughs> weren't spending a lot of time during then because everyone's at different families' houses. But you've gone mm-hmm. through some seasons. Maybe you've gone through a couple little challenges. You're still together. Uh, doesn't sound like uh, either one is crazy. Uh, you know what you like about your 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 potential mate. Just be true to that, and you know, especially with this first time hanging out 
in the groups, right? Mm -hmm. In the groups, just say, you know, how just keep it simple and like, you know, <coughs> this, this person means a lot to me. I'm so happy I'm here. Now, now it, here's the here's the here's the thing with with the uh, with the ribbing. Uh, you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta, you know, make sure you got some strong skin. Don't take it personally. Mm -hmm. Do not take it personally. Yes. Right. Now here's the tricky part. You don't, you, you can't really throw it back because you exactly. don't know you're not there yet. Yeah. You don't know them. Right. And they mm -hmm. could be sent. They could get a sentido like, mm, like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just ha ha, you know, that, that's funny. Feel them out too, because it maybe if it's a long stay, maybe eventually you can rib it back. Uh, then also kind of be wary of like when it's one on one, like with a tío or a dad. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't lie, do not lie, don't bullshit, don't be full of shit. Mm -hmm. Unembellish, unless it's in politics, in don't which case, lie, lie your ass yeah, off, lie like there's no it. tomorrow. Well, if they're conservative. <laughs> They sound very conservative and religious. Lie like there's no tomorrow. Just, Jesus is your savior. Or just be respectful, you know. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, <laughs> respect. I, I, you know, the, here's here's the thing. If you can be respectful, and like, well, I'm not from that church, or mm -hmm. I'm this, but I res I respect all religions. I respect, you know. There you go. People aren't gonna give you know if they give you a really hard time like that, then. It's maybe it's not you might want to rethink some things because also too, if it gets serious, they're going to become your family. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. You're, it's an interview. It's an interview from both sides here. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. Right. Holly's way too good at this. This was actually, that was actually like the best advice. <laughs> Oh, here we go. This is supposed slap. to be bad advice, Polly. No, no, no. Well, we, we always give good and bad. We give no. We give a no. Good. We always give a good and the bad. All but right. that was like solid. I was like, mic drop. Do that. Do that. All right, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give my take and then Sophia will give hers. All right, That's funny. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, so here's what I'm thinking: is it would be different if you were meeting them for the first time, like at Thanksgiving or Christmas. This is her birthday. Yeah, that means they're less likely to give you shit because the day is supposed to be about her. her if yeah. it was Christmas or it was dinner at her parents' house, what I would suggest is, and you still might want to do this is bring some flowers for her mom and like a bottle of wine or a bottle of cognac for her dad. Do some fucking, you might, it's, you can call it creepy or you can call it research. Uh, do a do a dive into like the family Facebook pages. See if mm -hmm. there's something that they're super into that her dad is into something like that and mm -hmm. try to bring an appropriate gift if it's at their house. And if <laughs> this dinner goes well and you do get the invite to Thanksgiving and Christmas, then absolutely take that advice bring some flowers for the mom, a bottle of wine, something nice. Uh, and I think the fact that you're not going to get a lot of shit is because it's her birthday party and she's introducing her, her, her boyfriend. Yeah. So it's not going to happen. He has home uh, field advantage there. You have home field advantage there. You can be there when they show up, be mm -hmm. there, be there when they show up. I think it's better if you're there when they show up, because they can't really do a big react. Oh, this is, my boyfriend, blah, 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 mm. blah, blah, blah. and they're not really going to give her that shit. And like Polly said, take the ribbing and in, in in time, and and don't don't give anybody shit uh, about how long uh, you've been together or how long it took. Because Lizzie, not everybody meets their soulmate when they're seventeen. Like yeah, okay? exactly. Seventeen. So, so Lizzie, no, Lizzie's been with her husband. <laughs> no, forever. 
They've been together forever, and uh, yeah, they're I'm so, so happy. Good for I, you, Lizzie. Well, here's the thing: if it's if it's a birthday party, there's gonna be drinking. So yeah. I would I would really kind of like don't do don't. not drink with them. Yes, exactly. Do, do not, not fall have, for the shots and the no, no, no. Stay right. sober. What you do is you just nurse a beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Just nurse it all night long, because you know. But yeah. Listen, even though they might be drinking and they get a little wild, whatever, they don't want to see you like that on this first one. They don't know you like that. Not yet. No. Yeah. That's some really good advice. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's the best advice. A little bit of both. I liked Lou's idea about bringing gifts. Love that. Not showing up empty handed, very thoughtful, but not too much that you might come off as like a a kiss ass. So also ask her. It's her her, birthday. It's her birthday. birthday, Yeah. So also ask her what, what are they like personality wise? Like, I don't want them to think I'm a kiss ass either. And maybe also important. Don't outshine them. If they're bringing a gift or something with your gift to her, maybe because then that's more of like a, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting all her love because they're her parents. So they're still going to want some of her affection. Mm. So maybe if you're going to give her a big gift, don't give it to her at the party. Yeah, maybe Give it to her later or afterwards. Like if you're giving her like a bracelet or something, for God's sakes, don't propose. Even if you think it's the one. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. This is the first birthday. Yeah, don't overshadow them. Just try to play cool. Be thoughtful. Be thoughtful. If if one of your if if one of the uncles is like itching their nose, don't go into the bathroom with them. Uh, you yeah. know, uh, stuff like that. Just just you know, be helpful. Yeah. Help out in the kitchen. If something is forgotten, volunteer to go out and get it. Shit like that. You yeah. know, play you know the what good I also do too is uh, I'll I'll cook for my. Uh, I've cooked. I've cooked several times for my for my. Uh, for my lady's relatives. Oh, you know, yeah, was I was going to say that would be good if you're already there and you both cook together or you grill in. Yeah. Grilling together. And you're kind of yeah. like, Oh, he helped me. You know, I don't know. They like that. They, they like they, that a lot. Is this a, is this a, this is a lesbian couple. I don't know. There was, I think it was a hetero, con- right? It's on a, it was a dude. Yeah, there was, yeah, there's no context. I, here, I, I, I get so confused when I come on me. Hint thing. It's like, <laughs> Like, you guys there's all so kinds of hand I don't know how to well, identify. They say her parents a lot, so I'm, I'm assuming this is a hetero couple. Okay. Because yeah. so if they I, were old school religious, what's Mexican, the submission couple, name? Is be, it, uh, is the submission name, name is uh, fuck. Okay. Uh, I think it's Mama Gaylord. No. Gaylord. Up. What? No, it wasn't. I don't know. Mama no, Mama G- Mama Gaylord they, is my kickball team. <laughs> That's not are these the, people oh. that that email you guys? No, yeah, there's, they, a, there's a link. There's a link. We have a, an anonymous submission link, so they don't have to leave name. I or love anything. it. What yeah. a great idea. This yeah, really I good. think honestly, I think there's you some submissions. That, that in, uh, yeah, the Nonamas way. Yeah. How's the How's this? I'm gonna say I know exactly who I sent this link to. I know who it is, and it's a boy. Okay, got it. Yeah, I think it's a. Short That's thing. why I wanted y'all two to give advice because I was like, I, it, yeah, I know who it is. How old is he? Yeah. Oh my gosh! I can't give you any more hints. <laughs> You know what? Here's the thing, though. You know, twenties, twenties, twenties. Very Thank cute you. couple, and Thank we're rooting. Oh, it's El Enamorado. You know what? I'm reading this wrong because I thought oh it was a God. different Please. question. It's a different. Qu- I thought it was a different question because they broke the paragraphs. But this is the person that says, "Much love, chicos. Keep up the great work. Saludos, desde Tucson." P.S. This is not the plot to meet the parents, and the name is El Enamorado. Okay, sorry. Oh, I got okay, see, so El Enamorado. I know exactly who. That's a, that's exact. That's that's the advice. Yes. Oh All right. man. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. All right. That was solid advice. We're going to wrap things up. But but since we have Polly here and and you kind of spoke about it a little bit earlier, um, I am considering watching this movie on my own, even though uh, Jim Caviezel 
is somebody who I respect it. It's, Respected as one of the most talented actors of this generation. I absolutely love them in the thin red line. Um, he did sort of go down the QNN, QNN uh, rabbit hole over the last few years, even though he still continues to be a talented actor. And then there's this sort of area of, of discourse where it's like, yeah, absolutely. Everybody is against uh, child trafficking and stuff like that. But there seems to be like this thing where where people like if you're not if that's not the only thing your personality about it, they sort of like, you know, some people make that their entire personality, I guess, or not necessarily entire personality, but they make it a really defining subject when I think it should be something that everybody, no matter which way you lean, should be against. Right. Um, And this movie came out and I've been seeing a lot of things about it. People buying tickets for each other. Um, Mm -hmm. The fact that Jim Caviezel's in it and I know it's a Latino director um producer and, uh, writer producer, director um, actors music actors. Mus- uh so, shakira lent, lent a song so I as mean, somebody who might not it, it's on my radar but it's not necessarily a movie that i would like run out to go see polly you did okay. see it it's called the 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 sound of uh sound of freedom sound of freedom can yeah. you give us kind of like a little because i know people can watch on your channel your like initial reviews you you got teared up about it you were very emotional about the film yeah obviously it's a rough topic but can you give us a little bit of more insight why maybe people like me and Sophia that who, who might not be the target audience should go see this film? Well, yeah, sure, of course. Of course, Luis. Um, first of all, everyone should go see this film. There are very few films that, uh, that can touch your heart and, and, and elicit change, you know, uh, for, for, you know, for good, you know, but that's the power of cinema. And uh, this is sound of freedom. It is the subject matter. It's based on, off a true story of a gentleman who I believe he used to work for Homeland Security, uh, um, you know, tracking down and hunt and uh, arresting uh, uh, pedos. You know, I'll, I'll try to watch my language. I know it's YouTube. Um, and he felt he wasn't doing enough because he wasn't getting to the actual victims, which were child children, uh, whether coming out of Latin America or different parts of the world. Uh, that was the, the the world he was in, in, involved with. So he decided just to basically go rogue and do his own thing. And, uh, you know, from what I gather from his story, he has saved a lot of children uh, as far as creating uh, his own operations, his own stings uh, and and capturing, you know, either these these, you know, very dark people and, and, and kind of like what they, what they do. Okay. So that's kind of like the, the, the fuzzy back, you know, true story that I, that I gather from it. The, the movie revolves around, there is that back, that back, back, backdrop to where Caviezel's character, he's playing Tim Ballard, who he's unhappy with. He just like, he wants to do more. Um, so while that is, we're being introduced to that. We're we're introduced to a a um, a brother and sister from Honduras, and how they are, uh, and the father, are roped into this audition to you know to be stars for these little kids, and they take them, and it's absolutely absolutely horrible. I mean, like there was there. I mean, it's it, so so the storyline is trying to get these kids back. Okay. Um, it's kind of like that first part of, almost feels like a doc, but then it kicks into kind of like a, like a little bit of a taken 
you know, mm-hmm. like uh, let's it's set got up. some action. It's got yeah, it's got action. It's got a cast of characters. It's the the cinematography is beautiful. You know, it's the also whole PG thing. or PG thirteen, right? It's it's PG thirteen. So you so the the subject matter just hits you no matter what. But they don't show anything. They're very tasteful. It's very you know. I mean, you, you don't want it. You don't you know you know what I mean, right? Um, this this director. It's from Tamaulipas, Mexico. Fantastic director. He also co-wrote it. Um, and the producer is Eduardo Verastigui, who, like you said, like like a Cavizel, you know, they're known for being very uh, religious uh, and kind of pro-life. You know, they're very outspoken. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you can discern that, put that to the side. I think I think it's worth it because. Um, Caviezel is really is you for, almost forget what an incredible actor he is. I did because I hadn't seen him in anything in a long time. Simply, just he's he's a stunning leading man. You just cannot take your eyes off of him, especially with this story. Uh, I highly recommend it. I I I cried. I broke down twice in the movie theater, oh. and then from what my my friends because I went with all guys. <laughs> they're saying because when you did that. It allowed me to cry, Paul. And I was like, that's what this is all about, man. Yes. And I, 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 I literally, Sophia, I had to, after the movie was over, because I usually do my out of the theater reviews. Oh, hey, how's it going? Yeah. Matt, I needed, I needed, I needed yeah. 10 minutes just to like gather myself. And even then, when I gave, when I did my out of the theater, I was very emotional. Oh, man. Very emotional. Um, so uh, what else did I want to say? So you're saying there's um, nothing really like so so for people that might be concerned that it might be propagandized maybe or that it's 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 because Jim Caviezel obviously Passion of the Christ you know he's been super outspoken like you said extremely uh, you know pro life uh, but, but is there you're saying that it's not necessarily that is there a lot of that that you have to put to the side to to enjoy no. the movie or is no. it or is there some but it's not enough that it, it taints the story in itself. It, yeah, I mean, uh, it's you, there is there is talk of God in the film. Okay. It's organic in the storylines with these characters, but it's not a faith based movie. You know what I'm saying? Like it, right. it's the, you know doesn't it doesn't draw on the, on on that. Uh, there is a line that is sung in Spanish and in English where it says, "God's children are not for sale." And, you know, very incredibly incredible film. You know. Uh, filmmaking a lot of latino actors are in it good guys and bad guys um but in regards to 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 his personal you know uh what do you say like uh, the beliefs and all that stuff that's yeah. not in there okay you know i don't know tim ballard's life i would assume he is i you know for me i i didn't know any of that going into the movie so i was just just completely bl- right. blown away i will say this though at the end, when the credit, as soon as the credits start to roll, it says "special minute, special message." Uh, in, in, and then it was a it was a countdown, a two minute countdown while the credits were rolling. And I'm like, well, what is this going to be? Is this some kind of weird? This this where a message is going to happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> Boom! Right, Caviezel comes on. The credits are still rolling. It's a message that he's telling you, us, the audience, about the importance of the subject matter. And and the history of this film. Disney bought this film five years ago and shelved it. 
They bought it back. They raised money to buy it back. Then they're working with Angel Studios, which which does um, release uh, faith based movies. I think it did that Kelsey Grammer one mm-hmm. recently. The point is that's Angel Studios, so they that's who the distribution is. Incredible speech he gives at the end. It's so, it's very pro humanity. I don't, you know, like they're, they're, I, I didn't get, and you know, I'm I'm born again, Luis. Like you know, I, I you know, I I didn't, but that's that's my personal business. I don't impose on that on anybody, right? But you ask me, I didn't get any of that in even in that speech where he's Jim talking to the audience. Okay, it's a unique device that that is working to where he's literally saying buy a ticket for a friend after you see it you know kind of how like golden house does mm-hmm. or like they'll get the rasa groups the black groups to buy you know let's get a bunch of people to me it's the same thing um so yeah that's that's you know no, freedom it okay. sounds interesting and and like i said oh, i wasn't I trying to I wasn't trying to bring it as like a you know like a same but if we're being honest like as somebody who is you know, a little bit jaded in terms of like the propaganda that, that sometimes comes out from the, you know, not necessarily the the true religious people, but the religious sort of, um, you know, right, sort of speak. You know what I mean? Like, I, I do think there's a distinct difference between people that are true believers and people who use it for their personal gain um, that I that I, I don't want to be I don't want to dismiss it. Because of my perception of what Jim Caviezel might be or right. whether they might be going down the QAnon rabbit hole and stuff like that. And I saw your initial thoughts on it and it seemed like very you were being very genuine in it. And I was like, wow, maybe I'm dismissing this. Maybe, you know, I should take a look at this film for its merits and not immediately judge it. You know, so I, I wanted would. to I would I wanted to take, you know, I wanted to ask you about it, obviously. Um, because listen, if you have a good storyline and a, and a, and a good score, I, I'm a fucking, I cry at, I cry, I cry, I cry and get teared up a lot at movies. Yeah. Uh, you know, you give me a good movie does, right? You, you give me, I, I'm, I, but I love film. I love film. And I love, I love that you can sit somewhere in the dark and it can bring out all these emotions that make you want to be a better person, make you want to change, give you a different perspective on something. A documentary can. You can you can and, you can be a different person after watching a ninety minute documentary because it's something that you didn't know about. So I, I want to be open to it. Well, and Luis, you said something earlier. It's like you know, this is not a this should not be a left or right issue. Absolutely, in regards to what we're talking about, this is the stats that they put up at the end devastated me. Yeah. Very scary of what's going on here in the states with with that, and they don't. They were very politely. N- dancing away from that in the story it was more like you know this is happening focus on one thing they're focused on on you know like you know you know this thing happening in latin america but they said the biggest the biggest market is 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 the u.s for for this what's going on and so um no it's not a right or left thing i didn't feel that any of that any of that all at all uh it had a lot of, had it had a lot of great humor in it at, at the right moments because it's so serious you know um great actors from narcos mexico uh done for 14 million bucks i mean it made that the first day this is you know so yeah so yeah 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, I think it's an awesome. I think look, let's 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 add that to the list of things that that us and Polly agree on. Uh, Biden is is horrible. The DNC is the most corrupt organization on the planet. They all are. And, and, they all are. Uh, they all and, are. And child all trafficking are. and child trafficking is wrong. We can all we can all agree on that one. And it affects our people in Central America, South America, Mexico a lot. Bro. And so 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 yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm a crier looking like movies. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 because I, I, I have so many things about dogs, and when I scroll Facebook, I get all these dog stories, these dog mm. rescue stories, and sometimes I'm just like, oh, I gotta go mm. hug my dogs right away. They're mm-hmm. all asleep, and the Belgian is right here next to me. Let's do Belgian cam before we go. All right, that's Belgian cam. Oh, wait, wait, where is he? Yeah, yeah. is that there Milo? That's the butt. That's Milo. Wait, there he is. Milo. Oh, Milo. 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 He's up. Milo. Can't see him. Nope, just see your leg. That's it. Milo. Oh, there he is. Get my dog. Oh, baby. baby. Oh, he's a cutie. He's a cutie. Honey, come here. Everyone's showing off their dogs. Come here. Come here. Bring your chair. Sorry, Sorry, it's a mess. My dogs are destroying my house. Here's honey. honey. Oh, it's a dog off. Milo, come here. Get up here. <laughs> oh my god. It's a dog party. Oh, it's a dog off. Look at the dog. Tommy, what's your dog's name? This what's is Mr. Butters. Mr. Butters. Hi, Mr. Butters. Oh, he is so calm. What? You fucking woke me up. I'm going to go back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> How old is Mr. Butters? Butters, I think, is like four now. He's a fat oh, butt. Dude, he's so fluffy. And he's a boy, too. All right, baby. And then, of course, the other one comes by because he's jealous. Oh, yeah. I love dogs. You like dags? <laughs> Bear man, act of killing, the look yeah, of silence, all these Oppenheimer dogs, they make you cry. Yeah. Uh, yes, Milo's right. in the house, Mellow. Nice. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, Polly, once again, That's man, uh, I appreciate you for coming on and, and take having your takes and sticking by them. And, you know, we're always down to collaborate or come uh, in a constructive and honest fashion talk about any of the subjects that affect latinos uh you know we're always down to clown with regards to that and we thank you for <gasps> doing this impromptu meeting here with us today yeah thank you for being here Polly. also who is that it's More bandito bandito, bandito. Look at that bandito. Bandit. yeah they're brothers he's just more uh more chihuahua yeah, I was gonna say what you know. That's cool. You get the best of both worlds, though. You get one fluffy one, one short, uh, short uh, coat. Yeah, no. Thanks for having me on, man. Uh, I always appreciate it. And uh, we need to get the Mi Gente crew uh, live on on our show. Hell yeah! Yeah, yeah we're Also, you know. whenever I do your show again, I need to talk about our, um, Aristotle and Dante because I read that while I was in Europe. Oh God, I love that book. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay. When I read it years ago, I someone just had recommended to me, and I was just like, oh, okay, cool. And then I read it, and at the end, I was I realized, you know, it was it was a, you know, a young gay guy coming. You know, you didn't get it. You didn't realize it. (laughs) No, because, well, because I'm not coming at it. You know, from that perspective. Yeah, perspective. Yeah. What what I what I got was a kid was such a loner and it was so yeah. so beautiful and uh, you yeah. know so it was really 
But then you read it again, you're like, oh, okay. You're like, I get it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I hope the movie does it justice. I hope so too. Is that and the one that's coming out about? Leah Lynn is uh, directing. We talked about it when I guessed it on on Latino Slant, and but I hadn't read the book, and I was, was right before Europe, so I read it now. Is that the one about like the the Prince I of England it. and like the guy from the U.S. falling? No, in no, uh, no, no. It's a Latino. Yeah. Oh no, 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 no There in, was place in Texas in the eighties. Mm-hmm. No, there's a there was a, a a trailer for something that happened today, and it was like uh, it's like the 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 president's son and the king and the prince of the England. royal the royal Ooh. right. But it's a gay it's a gay like rom com slash oh drama. okay yeah. I'll look it, it looks up pretty interesting yeah the royal we'll check it out all right all right yeah, well, yeah. I we'd think, love to I be think, on I think what's really what's really important is that you know uh, great art. It, you know, it, was, it hits us in different different places, you know, and Absolutely. like you said, like, oh, you didn't get it. It's like, no, I didn't, wasn't, I'm not coming from it. This is where I'm coming from, it, but it affected me. Exactly. Like Sound of Freedom did, you know, you know, or, or, you know, whatever artist, and then he happens to be gay, you know, you learn mm-hmm. after the fact. It's like, well, I don't care, man. You know, I, I, I was affected by it. This is amazing. Yeah. And so um, I'm I'm always you know hitting that up on on, on my with my audiences. I feel that a lot of people nowadays, uh, when when with the reactions, right? It's like mm-hmm. you know it, it, they're quick to react in a negative fashion and doesn't do anyone any good. Mm-hmm. You know, oh this is you know groomer. Oh this is that. It's like calm down. You know what I'm saying? Like shit ain't shit ain't like that. <laughs> and you know. It, we gotta, we you know, we we gotta cooler heads always prevail, Louise. Absolutely, man. And like I said, we're yeah. not a monolith. We come from all over the place. We come at things from different perspectives, from different life experiences. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we're all from the same, you know, tree of the evolutionary tree. So we gotta love each other, support each other, uh, and even though we might not always agree with each other, uh, realize that we're all stuck on this same rock together. So my oh well my god, he's getting existential again. Jesus. Well, can you just? <laughs> You just not deny that you got to just let me be. You can't just always say that. Continue, continue. We're on the rock. Uh huh. We're, we're all on this rock together, and we're floating to an infinite space in time, and we don't know how much longer we have until we crash into another rock, and we're all evaporized. So let's just love each other, make art, and love each other. So Polly, uh, thank sure. you very much for stopping by, man. We'll say goodbye, me and Sophia, or give our goodbyes. Uh, but you're yeah. always welcome. You always okay. got the car block. Love you, Polly. Love you guys. Got the link, right, brother? I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Oh, gosh, I love him. Fuck, yeah. I mean, an impromptu poly. Yeah. uh, Three hours. Good night. (laughs) Good night. Hey, uh, DB, thank you for stopping by. Thank you, DB. Um, It's Courtney. Thank you very much for stopping by. Really good commentary in the chat. Love them. Dizzy, Ms. Lizzie. Mello, Lizzie, Keith, and anybody that I missed. Thank you guys for being a part of the show tonight. Planet Planet Earth Theater. uh, There's a bunch of people randomly, allegedly, but also really. Thanks for stopping by. Um, everybody that was that's in there, thank you. Fuck, yes. it was a great show tonight. Uh, uh, you guys have uh, jam packed stuff. It was yeah. Uh, first it. time viewer, you guys have great conversational topics. Enjoy the show. Thank you. Oh, thank it, you. Man. Wow. Uh, give, give us a follow at me this show. Give us a sub. We're live uh, either Tuesday or Thursdays every night, and you can catch the uh, audio version of our podcast by searching for me this show. Literally everywhere you get music and podcasts. So hell yeah. Uh, 
thank you very much for everybody that stopped by. Lizzie, we got to have you on soon to talk uh, pop culture. Uh, thank you, everybody, for stopping us. We've done three hours. We're done. Yeah, yeah we're it's done. A, it's, leave it's a, a like, wrap. leave a comment. Love y'all. Like, all that good stuff, week. we love you. Peace. We'll try better next time. Hasta luego. Vamos, papá, hay que irnos. Me estoy aguantando desde que pusieron el domo. Puedes esperar. Muchas personas trabajaron en esta película y solo quieren que te aprendas sus nombres de memoria. Y yo quiero asegurarme de que ningún animal resultó lesionado durante las imágenes de esta película. ¡Piu! ¡Listo! ¡Uy, palomitas en el suelo! ¡Chao! Cuatro años de escuela de cinematografía para...